Hey, and welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka Butticelli's Birth of Drag Venus. I hate you so much right now. No, you don't. <laughs> now, just terrible. so you know, Circle of Salt's website is at circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com. That's where you can go for updates about the podcast and to ask us questions. If you like Circle of Salt, it would be great if you would review us on iTunes or other podcast listening venue of choice, or rate us and basically tell your friends and neighbors about this cool podcast about awesome witch stuff. And if you don't like us, then don't do anything at all. Say nothing to anyone. Just sort of, like, take a vow of silence because you really just shouldn't disperse any more knowledge about us. This is true. It's very true. You know, I actually had somebody asking if we were on iTunes last week, so yay. Yes, uh, and we need more more reviews on there, so if people could just, you know, get on there and review us, that'd be, like, the coolest shit. Yeah, so if you are tuning in and you are the person who talked to me, uh, please rate us. And if you are not, please rate us anyway. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, we have a special guest today. I don't know if you um, heard them laughing, but they are laughing in the background. Um, so please allow me to introduce special guest T.A. Noonan. T, Hello. please tell us all about you. Tell us everything. <laughs> oh, well, um, I'm a writer, which is a thing, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I most, yeah, I mostly write and stuff. I, I Sometimes my bio is... T.A. Noonan writes stuff. Sometimes it appears on the internet. Sometimes on lovely printed pages. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, yeah, that's my thing. I mean, I do a bunch of other stuff. I volunteer for literary nonprofits and design things and generally make an artistic nuisance of myself and yell at my cat who is crying sadly at the door that she can't be let in. Um, Poor kitty. She's very sad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mostly, my big thing is my my big thing that people tend to know me for that I am internet famous for is writing things, um, and usually being salty about it. Which <laughs> is why you are here. <laughs> um, if you want to find me on the internet, uh, I'm pretty easily Googleable. I have uh, Twitter at T A Noonan. Um, I'm actually T A Noonan or T dot A dot Noonan at pretty much everywhere except Tumblr, where I am Place Oddity. Aha. Well, and we are very big proponents of the Tumblr community at this point. So, all right. Um, okay, so yay, awesome. We totally didn't rehearse that at all. Uh, so <laughs> it's now time for our first installment, affectionately referred to as Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time. Um, Today's dish of salt is actually a little less sodium-rich than normal because we're talking about people that we actually like. Uh, but it is still salt, and it is entitled, Really, Lana? Really? And when I say Lana, I am referring to Lana Del Rey. And recently, she has explained to everybody that she totes does witchcraft and totally tried to curse 45. Which, by the way... Uh, just so we are real clear, I love Lana Del Rey, and so my salt is less about her and more about the stuff that we're going to talk about. So that was me. What else do we want to talk about about this, though? What else happened? Uh, we had that dude, Matt Skiba from Blink-182, told us that the Fire Festival might have failed because he cursed it. And, like, 
Okay, so do you want to hear my opinion on just generally that first? I, do. I think okay. we all do. <laughs> okay, so so for one, Matt, look, you got to own this. Did it fail because of you or not? Right. Like, if okay. you cursed this thing so bad, for one, like, he said that he cursed it because he was like, well, I didn't want to have to cancel on them, so I just wanted it to not happen. But it turns out that they canceled a day before it happened, which means that he didn't curse it hard enough, so he should stop, like, apologizing to people about how he ruined it, because obviously he didn't ruin it. I think that darker forces were at play trying to make the fire Festival happen, and so that... Like, you know, it wasn't entirely his cursing that, that brought it down. Like, because otherwise, he would have never had to pull Blink-182 out of it. It would have just been totally effective. Well, and I think that you're really right on that one, and I run into that a lot. So, like, we live out here in in the middle of the sticks, a.k.a. Reno, Nevada. Um, <laughs> that's me and my family. And uh, we are a part of a very large community of witches. Like, people don't really realize this, but this place is, like, witch-central. Like, Reno is Witch Central. A lot of people don't think that when they hear the name, they think, you know, come and make the biggest little mistake of your life. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> come on, you've seen Arrested Development, right? Anyway, <laughs> they think Reno 911, they think Arrested Development, and then they feel sad in their soul, and then they move on. Um, but most people who live here are actually pretty chill. Like, I love Reno. Reno's a wonderful place. But it's actually really perfect for witches unfortunately that means that we have a whole bunch of witches in this area many of whom are quite stupid um and when i say they're stupid i do mean they're stupid they um they make very bad poor decisions all the time they don't think things through they just kind of go from one emotional stimulus to another they're just very frustrating but one of the things that we run into a lot out here is weather magic Reno has become identified as a place that has a completely unique climate structure in that it's cellular. So like you could have in like, like every five feet is a different kind of weather. It's very weird. Like you can have uh, a moment where you have like the sun is shining right over here and right next to it is like an area of like wind and the next area next to it, like about 20 feet away is there, there's like rain going on and then like, Oh, every little cell is just a little different. You know, rain, sleet, snow, Godzilla, alien attack, that sort of thing. And I'm so, not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. <laughs> it was witches or and aliens. And, and aliens. And but alien mostly witches. witches. But and alien probably. witches, yes. But, anyways, and that's the thing. Like, people in Reno are just used to this kind of weather, they're right. used to it. But the witches are often responsible for this garbage. And. The problem is you never know which one of us is actually responsible for it because it might have been all of us, but all but I'll tell you what, witches in this area are like terrorist organizations taking claim for acts of God. They're like, Oh, it was so me and it was because I was angry and you should be afraid of my power and it's just <laughs> the most ridiculous shit ever because anytime this will happen I'll be like, Alright, which one of you bitches did that? And like seven hands will go up and they'll all start fighting with each other. And I'm like bitch i just asked who changed fucking change the channel back <laughs> oh my god so, so yeah so and it's very similar like this is one of those things witches like to take credit for shit that they didn't actually do but they also like to warn people or threaten people about things that they haven't finished doing so that it, the other people will do it for them <laughs> and that's 
part of the reason why I'm a little salty about the whole Dan- Lana Del Rey thing. Whom I love. I love her. I think she's awesome. I'm just super irritated because I'm like, bitch, you just told everybody you're casting spells on Trump. Stop talking about casting spells on Trump. Are you trying to cast a spell or are you trying to organize a protest rally? Because they are not the same thing. You can put them together, but they're not the same thing inherently. So are we going to talk about the thing that I liked about that? What did you like? Yes, because you had a really good thing to say about that. So I heard, like, I I, I have heard before and have seen multiple different, um, very self-assured witches saying, well, that whole group spell on Trump obviously didn't work, and it's because they did it this way, and you just can't trust a bunch of people to do a big group effort en masse because, you know, all of it's obviously protected against is because they put it in public, and it wasn't that good anyway because I read the spell, and it's just a weak binding spell, and right, blah, and, blah, 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 and, and obviously they, it can't work. And they say things like, well, and clearly Trump has his own witches, and they're protecting him, so clearly it didn't work. Except that, Would for he- one, I, I want to say, look at this like just... You know, from an unbiased perspective, let us just look at how much this administration has managed to do up till now, and it's not much. It isn't. And it was a binding spell. So, you know, just looking at results-wise, actually, they did pretty good. They did better than that Matt guy. Even with, you know, that excluded, (laughs) um, telling publicly a bunch of witches, especially people who haven't even done witchcraft before, to all do your spell on this day with this formula all at once, repeating, you know, every blah 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 moon or whatever, is great because it tells every other experienced witch when not to do their spell. Right, and how exactly. not to do it. Yeah, because if you, like, all of the fire, or all of the, um, the opposing fire, the defense, is being... Focus like basically that. calibrated for like you know the big mass spell that which means that anything that you do just don't do that and right. you know like because most of the people who are defending like you know playing defense for like you know Trump um are also real noobs at this and don't really know mostly what witches are capable of well I mean, and are probably okay. not listening to this podcast so like statistically <laughs> and I'm going to say this statistically the people who are protecting Trump are probably the same are probably kind of the same grab bag of people that are trying to fight against Trump meaning you have a bunch of people who are noobs who just kind of want to try this because they've got strong opinions about it and so they're going to do the thing and then you've got some sneaky little bitches in the back who are doing stuff that nobody even realized was possible and they're doing other things to protect against or cause trouble for the, the subject in question. And I gotta imagine that he probably feels like he's in a dynamo, and I think that's kind of funny, because I don't like him very much. <laughs> like, it's, um, it's, it's freaking, it, like, so what I did, I uh, this, nervous, this is, this is months after, like, the whole thing happened, so I'm just gonna openly say, you know, part of what I did, whenever, like, they had the first, like, you know, group binding spell thing against Trump happen, the night, or the day before, I basically kind of just surveyed the land and, and felt out, like, what was being aimed, and just like what this magic felt like what storm was brewing i got a feel for it i'm like okay i I can see what this is going to be like tomorrow and how i want to participate in it and and just how much of this i want to just go ahead and exacerbate myself right now right just what i want to toss in and then i'm gonna go do my own thing right which i'm not going to talk about because like honestly it's just not really worth talking about um right but well, like, and that's the thing. I was saying to you because we don't talk about this sort of stuff. And I actually mentioned to you the last—I think it was last week—I was like, I kind of wish that I was still back in that old period of time when uh, 
witch nobody believed that witches existed so we could get away with pretty much anything we wanted because we didn't tell anybody about it and <laughs> you said when was that <laughs> yeah like so this is the thing that t and i were talking about was you know, the, there was some. There's articles going around around uh, around right now about how you know witchcraft is kind of mainstream, or it's the fad. I've actually seen like you know, articles for a while about how witchcraft is such a fad, and like while it's a fad, it's you know certain popular like certain outlets are talking about it like it's popular or whatever. But I had a thought after that, which is, okay, but did the '90s witchcraft fad ever actually end? I don't think it really did. I don't I think still so either. People. Yeah, We've just see. been calling it something else since then. Or pretending that it ended for like maybe, I don't know, a month before it's kicking up again. But it has never ended. I, You know, okay, how many times have you watched The Craft? A Too lot. many. But, you know, <laughs> I will say that you? because it's just so mainstream to admit that I liked it. Yeah. What about you, T? Uh, a lot. And, right. and that's just... I don't, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, I used to have this all, like, you know, sort of hipster attitude, like, oh, I watch it ironically. No, I fucking watch it because I love it, and aesthetically it is beautiful, and it's funny, and, uh, you know, I I just, I love it. I mean, I know right. it's, it's not, yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to, it doesn't have to be accurate or, you know, a great piece of cinema for me to love a thing. There are right. great pieces of cinema I have literally watched once where I'm just like, this was a beautiful and amazing and I will never watch it again. Yeah, that was me with Schindler's List. Amazing I was just movie. thinking of that. I've seen that lately. Yeah, same movie. thing. Amazing. Twice. I watched it once. Let's see. We're on the same page. It's really hard to, like, find a reason to engage with something that's, you know, basically its entire reason is cinematic excellence, unless cinema is, like, your job somehow, or your your hobby. Right, or unless it's sort of accidentally relevant to something. Yeah, you know, otherwise, it's, like, it's kind of hard to engage with that, whereas, like, you know, the craft is pop culture, and it's fun, and it, 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 it definitely touches something in there that's, like, you know, there's a part of being a witch that's in that, that's in, like, quite honestly, the Silver Raven Wolf books of the 90s. Right. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... Speaking of the craft, which that was my whole point for bringing this up, actually. So, do you know that Rachel True, the actress who played the black girl Rochelle um, in the craft, is a tarot reader? That's great. She oh, works out of stores awesome. in LA. I want to go get a reading from her. I do too. I do too. Actually, I just want to go in and be like, seriously, you are the reason why I wasn't as like why I was inspired to try the craft in the first place. But you're also the reason why I wasn't racist about it when I was a kid. Because it's important for people to recognize that their representation matters. But anyways, um, so I just think she's fucking awesome. And Feruza Balk owned a witchcraft store. That's you guys awesome. knew that, right? I did, I did remember that. I think um, way back in the corner of my head where I file random bits of information. Right, she owned a witchcraft store and she still participates in the craft, of course. Um, Excuse me. I didn't do too much uh, further research into it, but I do know that they had a Wiccan priestess on set for this. I don't know how we managed to get to talking about the craft. This is my fault. I'm so this sorry. This is about the mainstream wave of it witchcraft, is. and it's okay right. for this to run long because this is like this is about what the you said it was going to be less sodium than usual because this is mainstream about right. witchcraft and also influencing witchcraft. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is the thing. What I want to kind of come away with where the whole Lana thing is, I really hope, I really hope that Lana isn't practicing witchcraft in the way that uh, so many celebrities, Madonna included, practiced Kabbalah. 
I really hope that she's practicing witchcraft in a more serious fashion. She's just kind of chill, and that's just kind of... She talks about it because, you know, she's like that. Um, because I really hope that she is doing more in it, because I think that the craft would be, would be glad to have her. But... And I feel the same way about that Matt guy. I really, I want to be very clear about this. I feel like if there are celebrities coming out about their witchcraft practices, um, and like, I'm hoping that it's one of those things where they're like, I just don't know why I wouldn't talk about it. I talk about everything in my life, but I'm not going to tell you all these little secrets and things because I'm going to keep it to myself for the same reason I keep everything to myself. I'm hoping that it's not just another quirky thing that people are doing because this is a quirk that has teeth. Mm-hmm. Witchcraft has teeth. Witchcraft is about atavism. It's about rebellion. It is about um, renunciation of things and turning away from the from the the mainstream. And it is dangerous to those who don't want to change in interaction with it. All forms of magic are initiatory, but witchcraft is like the kind of initiation that comes from becoming a werewolf. So I'm over here, kind of going. God, I really hope this isn't going to be one of those things. I hope that she's just always been a witch and she's just being kind of Morticia Adams about it right now in hopes that nobody will notice how real she is. I am kind of wondering something about Matt. Okay, so now that you've said, well, this this event that I didn't want to go to totally failed because I'm a witch. How many things that go wrong in the wake of Blink-182 will now be blamed on Matt's witchcraft? (laughs) So many. Like so but but many. now, can we blame Blink-182's success on Matt's witchcraft? I think that what we can do is we can blame Blink-182's w- success on Lana Del Rey's witchcraft. That works. They've I'm been, okay with that. They're in like a coven together. They they must be a coven. Um, <laughs> because immediately, <laughs> the moment you think, oh, two celebrities who practice witchcraft, they're automatically in like the coven trademark. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I really... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. No, I was thinking, I've been thinking more and more about this because I find it sort sort of striking and it sort of hit me when we were talking about it. Like, in his statement about, like, why Matt, whatever his last name is from Blink-182, about him coming out about that, um... I sort of wonder about, like, why he said anything in the first place, because one of the things he pointed out was that, you know, because there were a lot of people who were stranded, and it was a miserable experience for them, and, like... You don't want to take credit for that. That's exactly it. Like, there's a whole, like, I really didn't mean to do that, and I really wouldn't want that to have happened. So, I mean... Is that is it a way is it him trying to apologize for that like I'm sorry I had these you know I had this I I did this magic and it didn't come out the way I intended it because I didn't set up my parameters right or whatever I don't know or is it that you know is he taking credit for something he didn't do and apologizing for what will clearly be the criticism that would be lobbed at him if he does take credit for it well and I think that see i personally think that if that is his place if he's if what he's trying to do is legitimately apologize why the fuck are you apologizing for something that people don't even believe like yes owning the responsibility of your actions is one thing but mm-hmm. you're not responsible for people's perceptions of the action like uh so I, I'm over here kind of, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm a curmudgeon. I really don't like the fact that people have taken witchcraft and made it into a fad because it isn't one. 
Right. So when people talk about it being a fad, I'm like, it's not a fad. Some of these people are coming to the craft because that's what's calling them. So I have a thing about it. Um, but I get really frustrated because I'm looking at this thing that Matt did. I'm looking at this thing that Lana did, and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> are you doing this because you are trying to get people to pay attention to you? Because if you're doing this to try to get people to pay attention to you, I'm not going to tell you to stop because I'm insulted. I literally cannot be offended by this kind of thing. <laughs> I'm telling you to stop because you are going to get attention you do not want. Exactly. I'm doing it because I'm warning you. What you're doing is a mistake. And I'm hoping that it doesn't go very badly for them, but I am old school about my craft. For me, the 90s never ended. <laughs> it just... I... It's it's not like that it a lot of people have a lot of opinions of how witchcraft is supposed to go because it is so popular and because it has become not just a fad but also a sense of aesthetic and by the way those of you out there rocking that um witchy fashion thank you and bless you for being awesome yes because please make yes. it popular so it's more yes. affordable yes more affordable and also like 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 just make us look amazing because you do look amazing and group us all in with that thank you so much for your contribution that is far more than enough to me i love everything beautiful about my craft and i love everything beautiful about you so there you are but on the subject of the 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 fad side of this sort of thing please be advised that the things you are working with are are actually capable of causing change and the rules that a lot of people tell each other are usually less about actual metaphysics and more about this kind of weird cult mentality that they get into where they want to convince each other of things that make them feel good about it, about stuff. They're lying to you and to each other. Um, I saw it when the whole secret thing came out and the whole like law of attraction thing came out. I was like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> and I watched it during the early 90s to the mid 90s when things were going on with uh, like the, the kind of crossover between the New Agers and the Wiccans because suddenly witchcraft wasn't necessarily evil. But a lot of the stuff that they came up with in their kind of attempts at white witchcraft were actually kind of terrible. And so please, please, just, you know, I don't know. I'm losing my thread now. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> This whole box of witchcraft is going to be full of all kinds of interesting crap that you will not expect. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Please be careful. Have fun. Please be awesome. Yes, be awesome and careful. And, you know, I think that the biggest thing is please concern yourself less with what other people think of you. Mm -hmm. If, like, if I were to offer advice to Lana, I would say... Lana, darling, you are amazing. Do whatever it is that you want to do. But as far as the witchcraft stuff goes, don't use it to advertise your next album. Do your witchcraft if you're going to do it. But don't just spread it all over the place. Unless this is what you planned, in which case, very well done. And then I'll shut up. If your whole plan was what Felix was talking about, that whole thing about, I'm going to get everybody's attention over here so that the other witches can go do the thing in the back. Great. You did a brilliant job. And you were also more successful than I anticipated because, yeah, I do think that that spell actually had some impact. Um, I don't think it had as much impact as it needed to. I, uh, I don't think I've mentioned this to either of you, but I want to add this as kind of like a little PS to the end of this on whether anything was effective. 
Um, there's a guy who uh, claims to be uh, was it Rosicrucian or was it OTO? I don't think it's OTO. No, why? It's uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's Rosicrucians. Yeah, Rosicrucians. Uh, says he claims to be like one of the guys running the the current Rosicrucians. Um, and I don't even know if he actually is doing that, but he says so on a website. And he said that whenever they heard about the binding spell that was going to be done against against Trump, he he took his whole order to to oppose the binding spell. Wait, is he this the thing? and his wife? You remember the in the, the original article? I'm sure because he was like, you know, this is yeah. You you've both seen the original article, but did you yes. see the follow up article where he talked about what happened afterward? Okay, no. that was the Golden Dawn guy. That was not yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden, Golden Dawn. Dawn. Sorry, that's sorry. it. That's it. it sorry, Rosicrucians. I love you, Rosicrucians. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I have opinions about every magical tradition. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, dawn. yeah. You don't have to love them. I'm, I'm the Sailor Moon one over here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so the Golden Dawn dude says that he and his whole order, order whole order, including his wife, um, are gonna, you know, pledge their all of their efforts, spiritual efforts, to oppose this wicked, evil binding spell against from President these Trump. evil black magicians from and, these evil black witches, and they and make themselves into living puppets so that they yes. basically become effigies of damage. So whenever anything bad is gonna hurt Trump, it hurts them instead. And oh my God, my mansion burned down and my poor limo. Actually, um, so what happened was that um, he uh, he almost got killed, um, and his wife almost got killed in uh, some sort of hike that she was on, where her dog died. Oh, and like their dog died because he was like they were. She took out their dog in like over a hundred degrees on a hike through like the wilderness or whatever and then like you know he got like a wounded paw or whatever and she was like dehydrated and getting heat stroke and stuff so she had to like leave the dog out there while she like you know went home for safety and then they couldn't find the dog again and I'm like your dog died because you were not paying attention to the weather so what you're yeah. literally meaning to One, say here is your dog died and you nearly died because of white privilege yes like <laughs> specifically like this is I'm not going to outright say animal cruelty, but I will say negligence on the part of a pet owner. Pet owner, yeah, exactly. And you're blaming it on witches, but also saying that it's proof of your success in opposing their binding spell against President Trump. You're you're saying that your dog's unfortunate death is success against witches, and you're also holding up your dog as a hero. Which I mean, you know, know every dog is a hero. But (laughs) you know, all I can hear in my head is I saw Goody Proctor. Yeah, in the woods, throwing and she killed my dog on on Trump in with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I want to add that as kind of like a little P.S. to the end of the the effective witches thing. Like, if anything, Lana Del Rey's effort kept fools like this busy. Okay, and for that reason alone, I think it's awesome, and I really hope that she meant it. But anyway, okay, so that was all I had to share about that particular. Yeah, I'm sure their dog went to heaven because all dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. Because then dogs are naturally good and loyal and kind. I love that you know that line. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go on with even more historically accurate um, stuff in our next segment. Accurate. Okay, yeah. So we're going to jump into our discourse segment, um, a.k.a. Echo Chamber Azarak, where we talk about things that are totally true and totally interesting, and we're right and other people are wrong. So today's discourse is Neener Neener, I Stole Your God. (laughs) Um, And that is actually the thing that kind of brings all of us together today. Like, we all have 
this thing. So how many of you, I don't know, uh, who are practitioners of the craft who are actually listening and not, um, like, I'm sure that there are people listening who are of different, like, levels of practice and of different traditions and so on and so forth, but several practitioners that I am personally acquainted with, and really many all over the world, are practitioners who involve themselves with various different kinds of powers, deities, practices, and stuff that are involved with the practice, but not necessarily involved with the culture it comes from. Um, and I'm one of them. I work with Hecate, and I have absolutely nothing to do with Greek anything. Uh, I've studied it, of course, but I don't practice it. I just talk to Hecate because she talks to me. Um, and that is kind of something that we all have in common. Not Hecate, but specifically, we all work with powers and practices that are similar to uh, or that are related to Greek and Hellenic uh, practices. Is that correct, Felix? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Cool. I work with Greek demons because I found them in an anime. Yes. <laughs> what they were doing in that anime, we don't ask. But well, we you can actually watch it and find out. <laughs> it's slayers. <laughs> <laughs> Hint: It's slayers. Um, and T, what about you? Yes. Well, I mean, I I can make the sort of like well, actually, adjust my monocle. Um, okay. Well, I I my I do have uh well I do Ro- Roman and as opposed to Greek, sure. but you know crossover, the sync missing it up anyway. Um, no, but I mean, I came from an Italian family, and okay. for years and years, I like I had some sort of delusion that I was like, you know, I read like Radia Gospel of the Witches. I was like, that's totally like what my grandmother does, except it's totally not what my grandmother did. And I would just wanted to be like, I come from this long line because that's what you do, I think, when you're younger and you're maybe not. I was gonna say young and stupid, but you maybe know, you, you know what though? <laughs> like seriously, we come from that era. We come from that era. Like that that was something I wanted more than anything in the world when I was a kid. To be able to be like, Oh yes, I come from a long line of witches which incidentally yes. I do. So that's funny. I didn't find out about it until I was twenty five. Well, more like twenty three, but whatever. I uh, do too. And they're like they're not like, you know, spooky witches, they're like, you know, oh, my whole family like talks to ghosts like a bunch of twits. Yes. And it's like <laughs> this is just so we're clear, just as a, this is a side and I'm sorry to interrupt you, T, but like seriously. Like, that whole, like, hereditary witch thing, it ain't all it's advertised to be. It's not that glamorous. Like, <laughs> we do not have a giant green book up in the attic. Um, and there are no magical, sexy angels orbing in and turning pages for us invisibly. Um, no. Seriously, it's more like uh, everyone in my family has a very strange attitude about their dreams and about hunches that they have. And nobody ever gets a handle on any of their shit, and we never talk about our emotions because our emotions cause plagues. So we just bottle it up, and occasionally uh, picture frames and vases fly across the room. <laughs> oh, and Mom and I read cards. Seriously, this is some garbage. Like, it's so much <laughs> bullshit. Um, like, worst witchcraft tradition ever. Like, not even reality show worthy. <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, T. Continue. So it'd be like, no, it'd be like keeping up with the witchcraftians? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Except, um, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I don't look as good in a dress as Kim does. That's true. I, how many of us do, really? Well, yeah, there is um, 
but yeah, no, I I really wanted it to be the case, and alas, I I know and I know in retrospect, and after research and things like that, that no, it wasn't really the case. But it didn't. It, it's it it stopped being an issue for me. But there was a that was like my sort of in. And then I started doing the research and I was like, you know what? Some of this stuff is crap and I am just going to start over. <laughs> so, I mean, I started from the like, oh, I have a total cultural connection, blah, blah, blah. And then I was just like, yeah, screw this cultural connection. <laughs> so, okay. So um, did we all research the region from whence our various patronages come from? Or did we just kind of grab them and just do the thing? And never I would bother? say my answer is yes. Uh, to what? Four K no los dos. Oh, okay. So why can't we have both? Well, and see that is my okay. So here's my thing. I work with Hikate, so I think maybe let's do this. Actually, let's describe some of our practice. Okay, um, Felix, you were talking about that when we were ta- discussing the the making of this episode in the first place. Um, That's right. Let's describe some of our practice, and I'll go first because I'm the loudest. So uh, <laughs> you don't know that for a fact. I do in person. <laughs> I don't know about what you've done to our mics, but I do know that I'm quite a bit louder than everyone else on the planet. So um, anyway, so. My practice is not like a, a mishmash of practices. Like it's not a collection of different practices that I do. It is one practice, and it incorporates magic from all over the place. It incorporates magic from Shinto. It incorporates magic from Norse uh, rune magic. It incorporates um, some of the sabbatic practices that the cultist Sabati likes to talk about. I have bought their books, and um, like yes, I've shelled out hundreds of dollars for these books and yeah uh those i had to sell many children for that <laughs> they uh, weren't even yours oh well you know but they just went home afterwards so who gives a shit <laughs> <laughs> anyways but i've read these books and um my practice had always kind of had elements of that but it was easier and probably it had pra- elements of that because i read paul Hewson, and he does that whole gregory watcher angel blooded witches thing um, the whole witch blood concept, and that's just a tradcraft thing. Um, I have also got Hakate as a major part of my practice because, sort of like Lord English, she was already there the whole time. She uh, she was the very first deity that I got in contact with and begged for aid when I was young, and I did so literally because of her reputation as a spooky bitch who protects you from dangerous stuff. She never left, and has never left, and has always been around, and so I work with her because of that. I didn't know Dick about um, ancient Greece. I didn't know anything about her history. I just knew that she had a reputation amongst Wiccans for being the person you talk to for protection from really bad stuff, especially if you are maybe not terribly honest, because she protects criminals and madmen and alcoholics and all this kind of stuff, and I was like... I'm going to go talk to her because then she's far more likely to be nice to me because I had a really bad sense of like self-esteem. But anyway, so I work with her because she's here. I don't work with her because I have any sort of sense of allegiance or loyalty to anything to do with ancient Greece or any of the other places that she's originally from. Fortunately, like she's from all over so she's she's in egypt as hekit the frog-headed goddess she's in uh there's she's in the fertile crescent all over the place they she's one of the 
various different owl beings, and there are a couple of other associations associated with her. But she's all the fuck over the place, and she influenced myths like Holda from Germany and all this kind of stuff. Her myths influenced other myths, which just influenced other myths, which just influenced the creation of Kevin Bacon. And so... (laughs) So you're calling her an influencer. So what I'm calling her is badass. Um, (laughs) Yup. But she's just kind of everywhere. And so I talk to her because she's there, and she and I have become close because she's been a part of my life. Not because I went out looking for some historical reference, and it bothers me when people get all like reconstructionist about magic and then they turn around and start judging anybody else who doesn't because here's a little secret you look in history for clues about things because no one is alive to talk to you about them you look in the history clues to find out information that has been lost gone missing or been like corrupted or perverted or something to recreate an understanding of the past because the past is gone it's history it literally means not around anymore but deities are around talk to them seriously anytime someone says to me things like well how would you get in contact with her because i don't know if i want to be hellenic and i just i feel like if i don't do that then i'm not going to be doing it right let me tell you something seriously just go ask her she will guide you. She guided me to quite literally everything I do in my practice to the point where I didn't even realize it was her hand. And that's what I have to give credit where credit is due, you know? That just, I don't know, that whole thing bugs me. No, let's keep going with that. I want to keep going with that, because that's kind of how I did with demons. Okay, well, um, good, go, please. Talk. Yeah, because like yes. you were talking like, what did you do, research or just go with it? And it's like, well, I did both because, um, so I already recounted in a previous episode about how I discovered goetic demon seals in the anime Slayers, and then, so, you know, that's there. Um, and then from there, I researched them to find out what the entities were like. And I found, of course, the Ars Goetia, which is a grimoire, which um, takes a bunch of, like, some of them are Greek demons, as in D-A-I-M-O-N, which just basically means spirit. They're not, like, a spirit that isn't really a deity. Although, what? there are several there are several times, um, or several places, you can find um, Greek or Roman um, materials where they they talk about a deity that's definitely known as a deity, but they call them a demon, a D A I M O N. That I've seen that happen with Helios before, and it's because the practitioner is working more with um, with they're they're specifically they're working Goetia, they're working uh, howling, basically necromancy, um, and in in working with that kind of practice, you're interfacing with that spirit who is a deity more as a demon than uh, through like you know whatever religion um, would you know whatever cultist religion was being practiced at the time. Right. So I didn't even find out all that out until much later. Yeah. But basically, in the in the Goetia, like the the Ars Goetia, um, the 72, 70, yeah seventy two. I keep. 78 tarot cards, 72 spirits. How will you ever mix that up? Um, <laughs> the 72 spirits are 
arbitrarily listed to uh, correspond to the 72 angels that correspond to the 72 names of God and also to some astrological correspondences because that number breaks down quite cleanly into astrology stuff. Um, so that's why there are 72 total demons listed in the Ars Goetia. It's not necessarily because all of those were actually Greek demons, but some of them were. Like, if you find a name in the Ars Goetia that is obviously Greek in origin, like, it's got that kind of etymology and pronunciation and spelling, probably a Greek demon. If it's, like, you know, an entity from an entirely another pantheon, that means that somewhere along the way, like, because the Ars Goetia, like, went through quite a few permutations before it even became the book that it is, like, some other entity was shuffled into now Christian thought as a demon, because anything that came out, you know, from outside of Christianity was basically a demon at Astroth. some point. Astroth. <clears throat> yeah. Astroth is, she's actually from, there from Judaism, um, but um, Kore, a.k.a. Persephone, um, is listed in a different... Um, a different grimoire than the Ars Goetia. Um, she's in a grimoire too? Yeah, Corey is... Um, she's on one of the ones in my shelf, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you which one later if you want to follow up with me on that. But it's like uh, the Grimorium Verum or uh abermelon or you know one of those things i've got so many damn books it's like i get my own grimoire it's a better grimoire with blackjack and hookers (laughs) well corey like (laughs) she doesn't actually um and i found uh over in faustian uh a faustian grimoire compendium of unnatural black magic we found um some other deity and she and because we're on the podcast, uh, here it is. I just flipped through it and found the sigil. That is um, uh, Asharoth, which actually is um, Asherah. Yeah. Asherah and um, Yeah. Um, Asherah is also ended up being in a compendium of demons because all these entities from outside Christianity and sometimes outside Judaism, they end up in these you know lists of, you know, basically, you know. Big the, the, and not a part of our religion, so probably evil. <laughs> Yeah, there is bad guys, and so if you like draw the right circle, you can get them to do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't yeah. want to do things like that. And then I found there were some ways that the Greeks actually worked with demons, and uh, you know you can read that in the Greek magical papyri. And I was like, okay, that's great, but I don't want to do that either because even though that's an option, and I'm looking at it right now, and right now being around 2001, I was like talking to the demons that I was trying to work with at the time. and like, hey, so I found this Greek magical pyre thing. Do you, should I go ahead and do that? And they're like, nah. Like, yep. really? Because this like, tells me a whole, whole bunch of straight-up nah. ways to work. And like, no, you should do this that we're going to tell you right now. And that's a spirit-taught tradition. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they like that was the way that people back then, like some people back then were working to do some things with those entities at some times. And, but we don't have all the ways that they were working still recorded with us, you know. If they because, ever got recorded at all. If they ever got recorded at all, like, I would say that probably 70 to 90% of any of that kind of material is in the hands of private collectors, and we may never know about it. Right, and for those of you wringing your hands about the fall of the Library of Alexandria right now, seriously don't. Not that library. Like, this is like, you know, (laughs) other... Seriously. (laughs) A lot of those books were actually, like, those were copies of, like, you know, books that existed elsewhere. It's okay. Anyway. But the real the real problem is that there's like you know book collectors they don't want to let go of their shinies and they don't want to even let you know they have it because then you might go steal it right yep. which so no. you're never going to get a copy of that so instead just ask the spirit what they want it's going to be so much quicker and That's you're going to feel thing. so smug when a book does come out about ten years later that proves you were right all along 
Right? <laughs> and that happens to me all the time. I fucking love that. Okay, so now I actually have one little pointed thing to say about that right there. Those of you who are interested in learning magic, seriously, watch a couple of magic movies. And then take some notes and take the pieces of wisdom from those things. Read a couple of books. Even if they're fiction, take some notes and take the wisdom away because because Sally Owens and her aunts had a really good thing to say about people who try to practice magic while they look down their nose at it. I'm going to tell you a little secret here. If you want to know how to contact a spirit for a particular purpose or whatever, go seek the spirit out and talk to it because spirits are real things. Oh my god, they're real, which means <laughs> if you're over there trying to do everything right so you can get anything at all to happen and all this sort of stuff, you're assuming that the only way magic works, the only way magic is real, is if you follow all of its fucking stereo instructions. That is not how magic works. The spirits that you're contacting, the spirits you're interacting with, are actually real beings, which means they probably have another way you can contact them. Because they're real, and they exist in this world just like everything else does, on one level or another. So seriously, treat magic like it's real, and if you are one of those people who does, who wants to practice magic but you don't believe it's real, do not do anything until you have a chance to actually acknowledge that bullshit in yourself and actually understand that the shit that you're dealing with, you have to assume it's real to work with it. Because otherwise you won't be prepared for the rest of the consequences of your actions. I can say that you can be like, I'm not sure if this is real. That's and fine. You can, and, and then you can try things. Yes. But the thing is, after that, be prepared for that shit to be real at you. Exactly. And write that shit down. <laughs> where do you think these grimoires came from? Uh... Okay. Put that shit in the Google Doc. All right, T. <laughs> T. So, I think that you have a lot to talk tell about us your thing. when it comes to history. Okay, so um, I actually I've written about some of this stuff, so I feel like I'm trying really hard not to just be like, let me pull up that thing I wrote where I write about this very subject and just read it because oh, go ahead. That's just shit. No, nah, it's just shitty. Um, no, I I started. I kind of was sort of funny story of me finding that witchcraft was a thing and that it was real. And, and see the thing, I, I don't know how to explain like how my brain worked when I was 10, except to say, if it was in a book, it had to be real. So there was never a question for me, like is witchcraft real or is magic real? No, it's totally real. Cause if it was in a book. Um, it has to be anyway. Um, I was like, Hmm, I wonder how astrology works because I'm reading it in the newspaper and this stuff seems to be somewhat accurate. I don't understand how that works. So I went to go find astrology. And if you've ever gone in the Dewey Decimal System, astrology is right next to witchcraft. Yes, it's the 133 section. Yes. <laughs> see, I'm all, uh, see, I, unfortunately, I worked for a, a university library for a while. So now I have Library of Congress. So now I'm like, that's BL. Um, as a side note, I'm always amused by the fact that Christianity is under BS. Um, which I mean, <laughs> is no, BL it, so I know what BS stands for, but, but is BL bitch? Listen, <laughs> bitch, listen to this. Um, it's also where like psychoanalysis is and like all of the weird stuff. But anyway, um, it's the very end, like in the 1500s. I can actually tell you. Oh, it's BF. I'm sorry, because it's your best friend. Um, oh yeah, BF. It starts in about the 1500s. Because I'm just looking at some totally not stolen old library books uh, that have the numbers printed on them. Um, but yeah. Not stolen. So, 
totally not stolen. I just bought them from Salvage when they were going to get rid of them. Really, truly. Of course. Um, anyway. But yeah, so, yeah, BF, sorry. BL is, uh, now I'm trying to remember what BL is. It doesn't matter. But yeah, BF, for your best friend. It's for <laughs> by and large. <laughs> by and large? <laughs> Alright, so these books tell you anyway, that. Tell me uh, that this stuff is real and that there are deities. You so, like, being 10-year-old me, I'm like, okay, well, what deities do I know? I remember Greek reading Greek myths. I'll talk to Artemis and Apollo. They seem cool. Um, this is and- the cutest thing I've ever heard. Oh, you poor, <laughs> sweet summer child. It's, it's adorable, isn't it? Um, and that's kind of how I went for about, I don't know, until about 16 or so. When I started to get, like, I don't know, cynical or feel like I should research something. Um, You know, and then I went through that sort of shadowy period of my late teens to early 20s of very much like it. it, It's sort of an extension of that, that I have to do things like they're in a book because that's the way it's done. Right. And somewhere in my early 20s, I had this sort of realization um, where I was like, wait a minute, why am I doing it? Like, someone had to figure out, like, this mm-hmm. stuff in order for it to be in the book. Yep. So why don't I just fuck around? There you go. And so I just started doing random shit. Like, I was like, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me see if, uh, you know, let me let me watch anime. Let me do this. Let me find, let me draw from as many places as possible. And this is, you know, I did a lot of, gra- you know, I went to graduate school. I did all this stuff. I have this you know, this this degree that says that I studied this one subject to the exclusion of all others and that's supposed to make me smart or whatever. I don't know, whatever. I usually tell my students it just, it's not, it doesn't make me smart. It just means I studied one subject to the exclusion of all others. Um, um, I tell that to my students too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Like, I, they don't, they never seem to, they're like, oh, you must be so smart. I'm like, no, no, I'm not smart. I just studied this one subject. If you got, you know, it's like, if I had kids... And I don't have any children. But if I had kids, you know, you students of mine who have children, you already have your PhDs in child rearing. And I'm the idiot. Right. Like, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's basically what happened. And then over time, I was just, you know, I combined some of that research, you know, with stuff that had worked. and, and, And straight up, like some of the same stuff, like where I was just like, I started asking. Like, one day I was like, I asked Artemis, I was like, hey, do you mind if I call you Diana? And it wasn't even a question. Like, I realized it was like, that's what the name was that I was reaching for. Um, And then, you know, at some point I worked with another, you know, I was like, well, let me reach out to someone else or someone else reaches out to me. And so it all comes together. And I work with three deities primarily. It's my little triumvirate, as I call them. If I, by the way, as a side note, um, I'm trying not to be like that person because I studied classical Latin. So I'm trying not to be like triumvirate. You oh, know? do it though. Do it. Do it. We love it. <laughs> triumvirate. Um, no, but yeah, that's the, uh, you know, I work with uh, Diana, Discordia, and Mercury. And, you know, those are like sort of three primary, but, you know, kind of like a triumvirate where they just sort of, they're just kind of like the governing body. They're not the end all and be all. Like, other people come and go. Well, not people, but, you know, others come and go. And, you know, sometimes they're like, we're going to outsource this problem. You go work with someone else for a while, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> and that's kind of how it goes. Like, I've put together, some of it is research-based. Some of it is, you know, based loosely on 
other, you know, on historical stuff. But a lot of it is just like, hey, I looked this up. Does this work? Yeah, if you want, try not you want to try this instead. Okay, cool. Or not, you know? Right. Okay. So for us, it's just that easy. Well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, like, I found it's really difficult for some people to actually go to this point, though. The point where you just, you ask the spirit and they're like, oh, what if I don't know what they're actually saying, though? And it's like, well, that that's where you actually, the more you ask the spirit or the entity or whoever you're working with, like, the more times you ask and you listen, the more accurate you will be. You just have to keep talking. And they are very patient. And, you know, I kind of think that yeah. the reason that they have that kind of attitude, like, when people have difficulties with it, is because they expect magic to be, like, you wave a wand once, and then it's all taken care of. It's, you know, it's deus ex machina. So Would that it were that easy. Right? I'm like, dude, even magic isn't magic. Not like that. Um, I don't know. So, like, if they if they speak to a spirit, they expect a glimmer of light, and this thing is standing over them, you know, saying, fear not, and all this kind of shit. And I'm over here going, okay, for those of us who actually have the ability to perceive spirits, those of us in the audience, who can see spirits and interact with them directly, okay, you know it's not like that. You know it's not like that. You know that if you're seeing them something weird is going on like you just fell asleep or like you're having a kind of a trancey experience or whatever or it's some sort of synesthesia it is not a fun thing to hallucinate a spirit because let's make it very clear perceiving them and perceiving them physically that that's a hallucination that's a hallucination they exist but you're not going to interact with them the way that you do a chair well maybe you will i don't know uh, it depends on uh, it depends everything. On, just depends so much when it comes to spirits, doesn't it? It really does. It, once you start getting into the into the immersion into the metaphysical, and you start transcending some of your own shit, you know, like some of your own uh, limits to your perception and all that kind of stuff, it gets very weird and woo woo. Which, by the way, I hate like talking about the personal woo woo that I have because nobody ever believes you. They're not going to believe you. I mean, it's even if true. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it actually happened. They don't want to talk to you about it because if they accept the possibility that it is true, they're accepting the fact that it didn't happen to them. And for some reason, every person who gets involved in magic thinks that the world is now all about them. I yep. don't, I don't get this. I have never really been there myself. I wanted to be there very badly and was sort of prevented from doing so, and now I kind of am glad for that. But it's not about you guys. The world is not about you. The world is about everything. And so, you know... And I, uh, I was, I was going to say, I think probably in that, in, in that sense, I think I've probably come closest to like that sort of that slow progression that we, I think we usually see in young witches um, and young having nothing to do with age here, but in right. terms of like level Personal of experience, experience. Yeah. Um, wherein you start with the sort of discovering things and figuring it out. And then having that phase where it's like seriously all about you and you're like sort of so drunk on your own power, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you think you can do everything. I can, it's, it's like, uh, I sort of think of it like if you ask a child, um, it's like, can you sing? Can you dance? Can you draw? Can you, and you tell ask them all of these things, the child will be like, yes, I can do all of those things. Right. And but if you ask an adult and say like, do you can you sing? And they'll usually be like, oh no, or I only sing karaoke, or I only sing in the shower, right. or I sing but only off key. You right. know, or it'll all. 
at best, it'll be a qualifier. Right, or they're real proud of one thing, and then everything else gets qualifiers. Yeah, and I feel like... I feel like young witches go through that exact same stage where it's just like, I can do tarot and I can see spirits and I can change the weather and I can make, you know, your your wounds heal on your hands like fucking Wolverine, you know, all of that stuff. And then there's a point, I think, and maybe some, and some people I don't know, I don't think get past that point, but some, but a good, I feel like a good number do, where they sort of, there's a moment where there's like a sort of, you know, paper fan situation, a la anime, where you just get whacked in the head, and it's just like, no, it's not about you. It's not really like this. And the more, and now that you've gotten to this point, I want you to understand how very little you know. You know, it's funny you should say this because this is something I teach my students. I literally, um, like the way you're talking about this, this is exactly how I describe it. I tell people, as a witch, you are on this road. You're just following this road. It's a linear road. It may meander all over the place, but it's going in one direction. And you end up following this road until you reach a fork. And this road is the road of practicing magic and trying to realize what magic is all about. And the road, every step you take is a step away from the starting point, which is, I don't know if this is real. So every step you're following this road and you go, okay, this stuff, that might have been real. That might be coincidence. I'm not sure. And every single experience, every single step on that road gets filed away into your experience, whether you write it down or not. And I totally encourage you to write it down because I did. And that was an eye opener when I read the books again. But, Mm -hmm. you know, many years later, after a while, you've made too many steps on this road. And after a while, you can't ignore and write off your experiences anymore you look back Mm -hmm. and you go that is way too many things that were weird that is way too many things that happened just exactly as specified in the spell or just exactly as we talked about in the ritual or just like that prophecy foretold way too many things happened and yeah i could still continue to lie to myself and write off that this is coincidence but it's really a thin like excuse anymore and then Mm -hmm. you've reached the fork now you are starting to realize that magic is real that there is really stuff going on out there that when you cast a spell to change the weather the weather changes it may not happen like storm mistress of the elements but it takes maybe (laughs) five more minutes and then poof all of a sudden it's the clouds are forming you know it takes some time but it happens exactly the way you specified and you stop and you go holy crap this is real and you go one of two directions you go one direction or you go the other you go the direction of holy fuck, I have way too much power on my hands, this is really dangerous, I cannot use this irresponsibly, I I must be very conservative and I can't use this, and you go the direction of the scared little mouse. Or you go the other direction and you go, (laughs) superpowers, and you go (laughs) off the other direction. And then, now you're kind of caught between, like, like, you've got these two different paths to follow, and so the people who go off in the megalomaniac direction eventually they get that paper fan moment they do too much or they they take too much personally or or they make everything about themselves too much and they get whacked something happens that causes them to rethink their philosophy and then they start coming back the other direction they go oh maybe it's not all about me or oh maybe i don't know everything or oh maybe i overestimated my abilities there or maybe some things are not real just a lot of things are you know whatever and they start heading back the other direction or you're the little mouse and you just get put in a situation where you can't turn a blind eye anymore you can't be too like you have to act and so you do a small little thing 
and it works. And you go, oh, and nothing bad happened. Okay, well, I guess maybe I can be a little bit less conservative about this. And so you start moving back in the, direct, the, the former direction. You go the other way. Eventually, you come back to the middle road, and you may crisscross it. You may go back and forth. I did. I wobbled all over the place from, you know, Magneto all the way down to, like, Rogue wanting to get her powers taken away. Um, <laughs> and I just wibble wobbled all the way until I found my happy medium. Once you've managed to find the place where you're comfortably set, situated between a, a confidence in your power but not a self-obsession and a, a comfort with the consequences of magic that doesn't require you to be overly conservative but also allows you to be careful that's when you are on the path again going forward and that's when you're finally at that place where you can move forward and and make progress again that is when you're starting to take yourself seriously but you're not taking everything too seriously that's when you're able to start developing in the craft that's when you actually are headed down the road of the pro so I tell my students this. Um, I usually save it for the moment when I see one of them ding it. When I see in the middle of class they're doing a thing that goes, I finally figured out the magic is a real thing. They usually come in and they go, I don't know if I can take classes anymore because I'm really scared because this thing happened. Or they come in and they go, ha ha, I just cast four hexes and you know five spells and I'm working on a curse for this thing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm over here going, whoa, slow your roll, guys. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> But I usually wait until an object lesson because magic is experiential. You have to experience it to understand it. So I really like what you said about that. Just keep making steps. Keep going forward because eventually you're going to figure this stuff out. Yeah, and I mean, I, I get I, I get that. Exa yes. That's exactly it. And yeah. I mean, sort of thinking about it in terms of like our sort of initiatory, you know, our initiating topic here, you know, um, it took a, it, you know, this someone you know i i kind of grew up loving school and you know taking books very seriously and things like that so in a sense i was sort of ripe for the i was ripe for the wrong kind of war you know the wrong kind of thinking about it for a long time Were you, did I you mean, scholasticize it is that what you mean yeah, yeah yeah i spent a lot of time sort of scholasticizing i mm -hmm. would try I, I worked for a university library and i was you know i would drag books out and you know, totally didn't take them home and just bought them, um, and never. You know, anyway. Um, I hear you. You know, I, I, you know, I would read everything, and I would just, you know, look for all. And it, it took a moment where, you know, it took a long time, even as a practitioner, and 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 in a sense, I think I had to come to this, you know, scholastically too, where I had to have the realization where it was just like, okay, I'm not just. You know, when we talk about it, particularly like in research writing for, you know, uh, you know, as a scholar is like, I'm not just taking um, other people's research and stringing it together. Right. Um, you know, th this is something I would tell my students for writing is like, you're off, they're often taught and this is a real failure at the education level, just base education. Um, nothing having to do with with witchcraft at all mm -hmm. is you're they're taught that research is all about like you're taking the pearls of wisdom from great minds throughout the ages or on any top whatever topic you're writing about or mm -hmm. studying and you're stringing them together you're the string that holds the pearls together right. when it's actually the exact fucking opposite mm -hmm. they are the string that support your fucking pearls exactly Th and oh that's, that's such a good thing to say thank you and that's and that's what i had to sort of make that switch it was like okay yeah i can go and read 
you know, original, you know, I could just go and pick up my copy of Virgil, the Aeneid in the original Latin translation and read the fall of the, read the fall of Troy <laughs> in Latin and then go translate it myself and compare that translation to like seven other translations right. I have. Which is something and, that scholars will do when they're bored. Yeah. And they that, need to justify tenure. <laughs> tenure it's like it's uh, it's like super mega chick chicken tenure is legend yes. <laughs> I, seriously i i I'm, i am a bit salty about the scholastic community actually academia i have i have plenty of salt i can dish on that too but good we will have you back we will have that'll you back be for our podcast episode magical witch academia Oh, please. Oh, my God. Like, we'll use the title and not even talk about the anime. Oh, no, that would be such a travesty. But we should so so totally continue, like, the academia conversation. But continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. No, um, though, I had to... It took a big... Yeah, it takes a big flip to sort of make that adjustment. And, you know, and so I can do all of those things where, like, I'm doing the translations and blah, blah, blah. Or... I can just say, you know, you know, and I do like I have done stuff like that. And I do like one of my things I do at, you know, what most people, you know, or mo a lot of practitioners call Samhain. Like right. I kind of reenact the Trojan, you know, I kind of I don't, you know, not like really reenact the Trojan War. Like I don't go and build a giant horse and then fill it with Greeks and have them come and attack I'm, me or anything. Like I am that. literally not yet. I'm literally imagining like putting Lego men inside of a My Little Pony or something. I that's the kind of shit that I, that's eventually like straight up like I was like I could do this a lot of different ways and I it, depending on the year you know the year I change it up but I, I have straight up done like literal you know I have done something very literal with silly toys like right. where I've made like origami things and put little lego men inside of it and then I play with that and that's a thing um or I'll do like meditative journeys where I'll reflect on these things or like this past year like this isn't any big secret I need to write more on it but like in this that year I was like this this past year I was like I, you know what I want to do I need you know it's like I want to write a tarot spread a thematic tarot spread so I wrote a, a you know a, you know flat the flight of you know flight from Troy tarot spread oh, and I did cool. my reading and that was what that was my working I like that. And that was my and that was my work through. And none of these things are, you know, some of them could be, you know, considered more historically accurate question mark than others. Right. But I don't necessarily care about that. What I care about is sort of going through that process. Right. Like literally like what does that story teach me? Right. Like and, you know and, and what is and what do I want to bring with it? Some of this and like honestly I think that we okay, so unpacking a lot of the prejudice that we have um, in the study of the occult as students of the occult from our various different levels of experience and personal interaction with the occult is one of those uh, like journeys that can be a bit masturbatory but can be actually very helpful um, like I'm I'm someone who comes from a perspective of poverty like I, I'm a broke hoe I've always been um, who did not get a high school or did not get a, a college degree because I barely graduated high school. And um, I wasn't able to uh, go and, and do college because I wasn't able to uh, afford the actual like courses. Um, mm -hmm. I could have gotten like a millennium scholarship or whatever if I'd stuck with it. But I actually there anyways, um, personal stuff aside, it wasn't an option for me. And um, 
when I look at the like the various different uh, the various different histories and textbooks on oh you know mythologies and how they were how they related to the actual religions of the age and all these kinds of things anthropological studies etc it can be very frustrating not because I don't have the skill or aptitude to actually read the book that's not a problem it's more because this isn't giving me anything to work with in my life mm-hmm. um, magic is living magic is present when you practice magic you're practicing it here and now you're not practicing it in the past you may have a fascination with those things and they may inform your practice unfortunately those of us who are studying most of these things here in the west especially in places like england and canada and america um we are heavily influenced by british colonialism and british imperialism oh my fucking god (laughs) And that I was waiting a, for it to get to colonialism. It's such a prejudice. Like, it, it biases your thinking before you even realize that you're going into it where it's going to be an issue. It's already covered you. It's already colored your thinking. And trying to dissect a lot of the stuff through the lens while the lens is on you is very frustrating. <laughs> yes. And we are, we are specifically discussing between Greek uh, Greece and Rome, like, we're talking about colonialist cultures already yeah we already are this is like you know two like how many levels of of colonialism are you on right you're just like like a little baby this is colonialception so uh, (laughs) colonialception so okay now and now i have to admit i know this is like kind of cheap this is a cheap trick but like seriously i knew that this was a thing for ut i brought this up because i want to hear you talk about it so go Okay. <laughs> um, shit, like my, uh, I, I, I asked my servant to bring me a drink and he hasn't gotten here yet. Damn it. Damn it. Um, That's so on topic. <laughs> my servant being my who's being. Wait, here, let me see if I can say it right. It's so hard to find good help these days. <laughs> you need a fan while you're doing that too? I was it's doing great. it with he my has hand, a fan. actually. I awesome. Do. I have several. I, I'm, I'm kind of a diva. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, um, this is a thing for me because, I mean, just coming, I'll just use Diana specifically, Diana, (laughs) but I'll use her specifically. Um, Diana's coming to us as a combination, you know, from, you know, just we'll, I'll say coming to us if we're just working specifically in a Roman context, Mm -hmm. she's coming to us with aspects of Hecate. Uh-huh. She's coming with aspects of Artemis. Uh-huh. She's coming with aspects of, you know, I think at least I can't I can't even keep track of like um, the Egyptian side of things. Really, really, and that gets really frustrating in and of itself because all of the various different deities that you just mentioned have their own like extras added on. Like Hecate's right. got her own conglomerate thing. Like she's right. not just Hecate; she's also Selene. She's not just Hecate; she's also associated with Persephone. Even though Persephone is like, what? That's like after what? So the, Persephone's yeah. got her own brand. I, seriously, you know, yeah. she's, Persephone's kind of the Nicki Minaj too. I kind of like her. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most glorious representation I've heard in a long time. <laughs> now I will never ever not think of Persephone without thinking of Nikki. This exactly. Is great. Nikki Minaj. 
This is great. Okay, so then you get all that. Then there's the Etruscan stuff, which they yes. just totally stole and absorbed the Etruscan culture. Which I mean, that's in their own fucking literature. It is. They're just like we showed. We came from Troy, and we're better than the Greeks, but we kind of also are kind of stealing have some of their stuff. You know, we, <laughs> you know, um, we came here. We came here, and we married into the Etruscans, and then are like, yo we're taking over, you know, like my, now we're, you know, now that we have the, you know, now that we're married to, you know, into the Etruscan tribe here, we're going to now, you know, we have this line of right being, you know, you know, being royalty from Troy plus royalty from the Etruscan, you know, from Etrusca. It's always weird to say Etrusca, but you know, Etruscan royalty, Trojan royalty, we marry. Now we're Roman. And also we're just going to absorb all that Etruscan stuff that we like. We're everything we like. And leave out what we don't. And even then, like, you know, and that's just on the Roman side. And then you have the Roman conquering where, and they're like, oh, we're going to take certain deities from other cultures and sort of bring them in. And it's not even, and and not in a sense of like, it's just it's just absorption. Like they're it just is. like we like this, we want it. Well, and, and this, or, is, this is we like this, thing. and so we're gonna say it was actually our stuff all along. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we it's were already just, here. <laughs> yeah, so like you have Rose, you know, you go to you know, you get to you get Rosemerta, and suddenly she's a bride of Mercury. Right. And you get Epona. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I just want to say Epona because of Zelda. Damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, horse god. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, like, like you get horse deities who become aspects of the emperor because right. the emperor is a god, and they have to ride a horse into battle. So they are literally have their leader riding another god. Well, and <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that's hot. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a different uh, part of the Roman. That's city. the that's the unfiltered. Um, follow up to this podcast which is on a completely different channel anyways um, (laughs) but you know it's interesting because like they aren't the first ones to do it the egyptians did that all over the place um which is one of the reasons why there are so much bleed over from egypt into other cultures anyway Mm -hmm. because it didn't stop there um chinese people did that with their culture um like it the Japanese did it too. They did literally. Oh, the the Japanese and the Chinese going back and forth. Like that, I, I can trace a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> everyone listening to this podcast, you are descended from a bunch of asshole conquerors, almost certainly. Oh sure, like, yeah. Almost certainly, it does. If you're not, then then I, you won aliens. the lottery. Aliens, specifically. <laughs> I'm not saying it was aliens. <laughs> I gotta. I got. See, now the rule of three is that I'm going to have to make that joke at least one more time. Yes, maybe. So, (laughs) (laughs) anyways. But yeah, uh, this is, but I mean, that's just from there. And then you get later on, you know, there's, there's all kinds of other stuff that gets picked up. And there's some really interesting stuff about uh, Diane in particular. Like, she's actually, you know, she wasn't a goddess that was worshipped in the city. Like, her temple was on the outskirts. Right. Um, You know, so there's something really, you know, first of all, obviously to me, that is absolutely like perfect for me and you know with a lot of the ways i think about things but like so you're starting from that place and then you move forward and then you're taking this deity with all of this baggage um you know and not necessarily and i'm not necessarily saying that you know you can just you know some people i'm sure ignore that baggage but 
if you're doing any kind of research and you spend enough time with this, then this is going to be something that you learn and you have to make a decision. And part of my decision-making process was like, I can't escape that. I can't escape that background. I can't escape all that baggage. Right. I have to learn to carry it. Right. And how do I learn to carry it? Part of that, I mean, straight up, part of that is I look at the history and I'm go like, you know, the, the sort of the reconstructionist stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to replicate those practices. Right. If it was the modern time, they would probably do things differently. You well, know, so you why know, not? See, and that's interesting because I kind of come at it from a different perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm about to say something that is going to offend some people. So I apologize ahead of time. Right. I apologize for being offensive. I am not apologizing for uh, your opinion of it. No, I know it's awful. Um, <laughs> this is not a nice thing to say. But the fact of the matter is, as a witch, I've come... Like, Hecate's worship was not um, regular. It was not something that people practiced all over. It was something that was practiced in certain regions. Literally, there were three regions in Greece and and like associated areas, Thessaly, Thrace, that kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. where she had her own temple. And in one area, she was like the dominant deity. But the thing is, she's not a deity, not according to the way that the Greeks practiced. She's not an Olympian. She's a titan. She's a deadly, dangerous, horrible force of monstrous power. She's scary as fuck, and people fucking were afraid of her. And um, this was actually even before they demonized her and turned her into this horrible monster. They were still scared of her when she was a sea goddess who was involved with the moon and earthquakes and terrible storms. They, They were terrified of her. So, the regions that worshipped her, the areas where they actually, where she had supremacy, um, most of them, she wasn't that, she wasn't so powerful that she controlled the entire area. She just controlled tiny little areas. Because those are the only areas where people were actually able to go and, like, deal with her, you know, and not be beaten up by their neighbors. So, all of the worship that we have, based on Hecate, she was not a standard deity. She was not something that someone would run into and be like, oh yes, of course Hecate, because she's so friendly. Um, <laughs> that's not how people thought of her. And Greeks were afraid of their gods to begin with. Every form of ritual practice that Greeks got into were apotropaic. They were meant to protect them from the wrath of their gods as much as anything. They were appeasement. So Hecate is one of those things where it's like, ah, uh, we already know that if you're even slightly snitty about anything, we're fucked. So we're just going to hope that you're kind of nice to us today. Huh? Can we have some fish? <laughs> that was a great sound. <laughs> that is perfect. But that's how people thought about Hecate. And the, the, the vast, the major difference between Greek worship and, Egypt, er, and uh, Roman worship is Romans thought their gods were their friends. Yep. Like they believe and their worked gods, for them. Yes, they believe their gods were friendly. Uh, they did not. Even the Romans did not believe Hecate was friendly. Like oh, they no. were absolutely unconvinced of that. So, yeah. Uh, mm. So anytime someone comes to me and tells me something to the effect of, "Well, you have to follow or toe the line when you work with Hecate," or blah blah blah, it fucking bugs me because I'm over here going, "Dude, nobody did that." Nobody who worked with Hecate was considered to be a good guy, especially not the witches. And that's where it really bugs me. So colonialism 
has done something to the way that we, those of us with privilege, think when we interact with scholastic records, history, and so on and so forth. It means that we are more comfortable with accepting the idea that this person is an expert and therefore they're right. It means that when they say something, when they come to a conclusion, which is usually like 98.3% opinion, we are more comfortable with swallowing it. And it's usually rich white men, and it has been for quite a long time. And we're usually okay with that. This is not the way of the witch. Let me tell you a thing, those of you who are listening. Witches have their own culture. Witches do not come from a culture of, you know, uh, Pennsylvania. We don't come from... (laughs) from, (laughs) That would be really weird. We don't come from a culture of... We're not the London people. You know, we don't come from a standard cultural thing. We have whatever our culture is that we were born into or where we were raised or where we live now... But we also have the witch culture. And the witch culture is marginalized as fuck to the point where Mm -hmm. people don't even believe we exist. Except for Lana Del Rey. Except for Lana Del Rey. (laughs) And those Golden Dawn people. Um. (laughs) I was just going to say, thank you, Lana Del Rey, for believing in me. I believe in you, too. I'm clapping my hands for you right now. Um, (laughs) But anyway. We have wings now. These people don't believe in us to the point where when you call yourself a witch, people think that you're either crazy or that you are ridiculously whimsical. They think that you're playing around. They think it's cosplay. I wear a cloak out to Walmart and people think I'm cosplaying Harry Potter because Harry Potter is more real to them than actual witchcraft. I am Mm -hmm. more than comfortable with that kind of anonymity. That is more than comfortable for me because I grew up in it. But I'm going to tell you a little thing. Witches are not a part of the uh, umbrella that those cultures provide. We do not have the benefit of the privilege that comes from those cultures. So when you are reading a scholastic uh, document on the subject of the worship of a witch deity in Rome or Greece or something to that effect, they are not writing that book for you. They're writing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that when you get into the craft. When I run into people, and this is the part where I get insulting, um, when I run into people who are more concerned with cultural appropriation than they are with practicing witchcraft, it bothers me because I find the argument that witches have when they start justifying or um, uh, uh, accosting or shaming either direction the subject of cultural appropriation i find it disingenuous you are not a part of that culture so don't pretend you are first of all second of all when you start talking about uh whether or not it is um acceptable for you to do some sort of modern syncretism with your deity syncretism syncretism did i say it right Mm. Uh, syncretism syncretism Syncretism. thank you yeah when you start doing some modern syncretism with your with your deity who is you know your deity is a celtic deity but most of your practice is more like anglo-saxon and then you've got this other thing over here that's egyptian and all this kind of thing and you're super eclectic and this is because not because you read a whole bunch of books and you and you you like all this stuff and you're playing around with it and i don't even care about that but because this is the stuff that worked when you start talking about this and someone jumps on you for not being culturally appropriate, when someone jumps on you and tells you that's disrespectful to that culture, guess what? If you start, if those people are practicing witchcraft, 
but they're out there digging up graves and stealing bones, which a lot of our magic requires things like that. If they're stealing someone's sock to create a tag lock, I hate that word, to create a <laughs> spell from hoodoo, and they're fucking not even... Oh my god. The moment they start pointing fingers at you, I swear to god, it's when I start getting lit up. The moment people start accusing each other about all of their little peccadillos and how bat, how dare you do this thing because it's disrespectful to blah 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 thing i i always look at them and be like look to your own you are a witch and i know i can guarantee you've done some shady bullshit if you've learned how this shit works you have to own your own shadiness before you start trying to shame other people for it it bugs me it seriously bugs me you are going to have an uphill battle when it comes to dealing with the privilege of your position power creates privilege and witches dabble in power you may also be a person like me i am i'm brown but i'm also half white so i pass for white so i have white male privilege all over me you may come from a position of privilege as well and there is a witch privilege as well and you need to understand that as well I am not going to fucking shame you about it. Use it how you will. Just understand it's there. When you speak about this stuff, make sure that you're paying attention to your own house first. It bugs me. Just, ooh. Anytime someone starts telling me that I shouldn't be working with the runes or I shouldn't be working with Akate because I haven't signed their little contract to sign up for their shit, I'm like, well, at least I'm not digging up your great aunt Edna and using her head in a ritual. For fuck's sake, you guys, it could be way worse. So that's my opinion about that. I think Man. my big- Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I'm just thinking about all these celebrities talking about being witches, and it's like, yeah, okay. Whoops, we're mainstream now. Now everybody knows about the weird shit we do. Bye. I'm gonna pack my bags. <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anyways, T, you go ahead. Go ahead, T. No, it's okay. No, I, I think my where I get where I, I, I see where you're coming from. I, my big thing is when I, I lose my mind, and this is partially just. I think this is. I recognize that this is a scholastic reaction, right. for, for part of this, but I also recognize that it's a, um. It's another kind of reaction. For some reason, the word for it just went out of my head. The scholastic reaction is, it comes from, it comes to, it's on two sides. It's the extreme, like, not having any fucking clue, like, where anything comes from. Right. Um, which is, and the, that's, which the, that's the downside of that whole argument. Like, coming at it from the unlettered peasant position is, is just as dangerous. Right. And that's, that's a scholastic position where, where I've tried to remind myself like, okay, not everyone knows this. It might be worth telling them this. Yeah, there you go. And that's uh, actually a really I, cool way of looking at things. Yeah. So like, for example, um, this came up actually weirdly came up in a completely different context. And I ended up having a long conversation with a, an indigenous friend of mine where we were, we were talking about this. Um, we were, but we both ended up reading an article about um, using sage, and it's clearly the article is clearly written by. I would at least from my from reading it, someone who hasn't necessarily done a lot of research in the ways in which sage was used in indigenous in indigenous cultures, right. and so it's got a lot of that. 
white, you know, sort of white woman, um, burn sage in all of your rooms and it will clear everything. Yes. It's called smudging. It's great. Exactly. You know, kind of so yo- yoga-esque thing. Yeah, and... It's presumptuous. And I'm coming at it from a, you know, I'm coming at it from a practitioner standpoint where I'm just like grabbing my face and shaking my head, like face palming, like do do some research. Yes. And then my indigenous, my, my indigenous friend like swoops in is like, you motherfuckers. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, I love you for this. But then she, sw- she swoops in and is like, you motherfuckers. Let me tell you something about your damn white people and your damn sage, which, by the way, is endangered because of you assholes. Right? Um, yeah. Consequences. It's endangered because of you assholes because you don't know how to, like, source this stuff. And also, by the way, you know, you stole that, pra- you know, you stole a lot of those practices from us. You stole the word from us, which it's not actually That's not what smudging. it means. That's not what it means. And, and this is my, this is the part where I just sort of, like, kind of hair lost fire. my, lost my shit. My, like, her, her hair was just, like, on fire. And then she's like, and we couldn't even practice it until, like, about 20 years ago. It was illegal. So, like, where she just calls out, like, these are the laws that said that we weren't allowed to practice our own fucking religion. So Until some white girl wanted to tattoo it on her ass. Right. And that's where, (laughs) so she's, like, losing her mind. And I'm losing it. Like, she posts this, and I'm just like, I love you. And so we're talking. And, you know, and I'm sort of like, yeah, right? Don't they know this? (laughs) And the response from the editors of the magazine or the the place where the website where it's published was like would you like to write an article about this she was like i am done educating you white people (laughs) (laughs) always the response (laughs) okay so i've got to make a mention of something that i've read from several different um indigenous people talking about um what's blanketly known as smudging yes Mm -hmm. as far as i've heard from them it's not used to cleanse it's actually used more to populate the area with spirits oh. that you're specifically calling. Right. So when someone's using something like that to cleanse the area of spirits, like, uh-huh. I'm not going to say whether it's actually working for them. <laughs> this is my thing. As someone who works in a New Age store, and I am calling it a New Age store for a reason, as mm-hmm. someone who deals with someone who uh i deal with people all the time who think sage is a a cure-all for everything in very much the same way that that um old pagans think that patchouli is a substitute for bathing (sighs) sage all right guys (laughs) everybody in the energy worker light worker paradigm new agey kind of paradigm that that i interact with says things like sage cleanses away negative energy do you know what actually that came about as that was a translation that some idiot decided to put in because they decided that the indigenous practice that that it came from and it might not even have been a native american practice because it might actually have been them translating granny's west country witchcraft out in england (laughs) into something or some Appalachian person had brought that over from from the old country and decided that this is something that we're going to teach to the, to our children. Some enlightened soul who had been reading too many books on theosophy and had decided that they had, that their higher vibration was involved here decided to retranslate it into something that made sense to them. They decided it doesn't summon a beneficent spirit to 
push away all of the negative spirits because they don't want to think about it like that. They don't want to think about the actual concepts that some some cultures will actually involve with this. The idea that sages, um, like the sage herb is a, a, an herb that calls particular kinds of spirits and then those spirits do war upon bad spirits and make them go away which is incidentally mm-hmm. how they used it for healing, like for getting rid of diseases. S- this, is, this is what I was just like, I was like itching to be like, this is how they used it for healing. Right. Because <laughs> it would just be like, it would the sage would be like, hey, good, you know, good, good spirits badass. Fight the bad ones. Exactly. And they would come in and have like battle royale and the good spirits would win and then the, everything would be healed. Right. Yes. Okay. So this is a thing. And this is actually pretty true of nearly every kind of herb associated with that kind of healing. Intercessory healing, um, as someone who follows a tradition called Artemisia, I know about that because Artemisia is mugwort and they did the same thing with mugwort in Greece. So mm-hmm. that being said, um, <sighs> Someone decided that that wasn't good enough and those people are ignorant, stupid savages and so they decided to translate it into the thing that was in vogue at the time, which is this energy paradigm. Y'all have inherited the same paradigm that was responsible for electroshock therapy. Those of you going around talking about energy work and how sage cleanses your energy, you are coming from the same paradigm of thought that was responsible for the idea that you could electrically shock someone's brain until they weren't gay anymore. This is the paradigm of thought that you're working with. It comes from a position of privilege. It comes from a position of prejudice. And it comes from a position of ignorance about how the world actually works. The only way to fight off ignorance is through education. And if your first instinct is to just believe the thing that you are told, then you are not educating yourself. Test and learn. Study ask questions, be willing to investigate, be willing to go and talk to someone from an alternate opinion. When someone says to you, like this girl that that T was talking about, comes in and says, y'all are dumb fucking white people who are doing this wrong and this is what it actually was about and holy crap, why don't you know this? Learn from the experience and take that in and follow up. That is the best thing that you can do. The prejudice and privilege thing melts away when ignorance is addressed and that is on you that is your responsibility as someone who was ignorant and therefore because of that ignorance allowed your privilege and prejudice to speak no sage does not cleanse away fucking energy because that would imply that energy goes anywhere and that whatever's left is emptiness what the fuck are you insane sage plunges us into the void it does sage, See, sage when you the said magic sa- void you just said Sage plunges, so I suddenly thought of it being like Liquid Plumber. <laughs> sage is the mystical Liquid Plumber. Yay, it mystical clears plumber. your clogs. Oh, oh that's God. awesome. But where do they go? Does it just dissolve them and it goes away? Not, our, Not so It shouldn't. No. Not really. Anyway, like I was told by a Native woman who um, practiced uh, her medicine work of some sort. I never got any sort of full explanation as to what she did. But she lived um, very nearby to where I lived. Um, she taught me how to work with sage when I was probably about 14 years old because I was interested and that was the only thing she taught me because I told her I was interested in witchcraft and it scared her because to her witchcraft is scary um, because she's native she told me how to work with sage and she explained to me that sage is a very much like a big fat ass grandma 
who comes walking down the front uh, path to your house towards your front door. And all the little ne'er-do-wells that you've got hanging out, sitting on your couch, watching your TV and eating all your, your Doritos and shit, they go running out the back door when they see her coming up the walk through the window because they're scared because they know if she comes in and they're still sitting there, she's going to come over and she's going to sit on them. <laughs> and I love that explanation because it was so visceral and it was so perfect. And so she says to me, perfect. afterwards, after you burn the sage, you do other things. And the sage is only a part of the ceremony. You do other things to prepare the space and to cleanse the space and blah, 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 is more like a, like dancing and sweeping and stuff. The, uh, the thing that you do after, though, is you, you invite good things to stay in the space and keep it full because grandma's only going to stay for so long. And then she, yeah, it's like eating yogurt when you have antibiotics. Okay, so yeah, so, yeah. so she takes off and you have to have something else that'll keep them out, like change the locks you know, or something to keep them out or it won't help you because spirits are everywhere and you can't trust those little buggers is basically how she explained it, which is how (laughs) animists Mm -hmm. look at the world. And it's a very legitimate way to look at things. And it's kind of the way I look at stuff because how are you going to not involve yourself in a reality that involves spirits? If you interact with spirits on a regular basis, how are you going to pretend they don't exist? Yeah. So, but anyway, witchcraft is about accepting what's really there. Yeah. Okay, we should... So th- yeah, this is like the most in- interesting podcast we've ever recorded, but we do need to wrap it up. We do. Oh, I wanted to add one more thing, which was the other side of the coin, which yeah. is the white people who are like, um, I have studied this thing, and therefore I know it better than insert person or practitioners right. from that culture. And that's that. That's not the scola- the scho- you know the scholar in me that reacts. I think that's just a... Uh, that's that's the other side of the coin. Those are the people I cannot yeah. cannot deal with. Honestly, I'm just like no. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is the thing. Don't ever. Prof- I don't know. As a witch, I I don't do ethos based thinking. I'm not interested <laughs> in accepting something because someone who's trustworthy said it. I'm over here kind of going, all right, if I want to know what's going on with the culture, I'm just going to go ask someone in the culture, and if they don't tell me, that's my answer. You know, mm-hmm. um, if I want to, and this is the big thing, this is something that kind of bo- bothers me when people talk about like, well, you have a right to steal because we have that in witchcraft culture. There is this attitude that nobody likes you. You are constantly marginalized mm-hmm. and you have therefore the right to steal anything that you want because uh, you can watch from the woods and just watch them do it and then take it and do the thing. I myself have done that and probably will for the rest of my life. But I also recognize that there are times when you should not do that because it's un mm-hmm. it's it's worse to do it that way. Oh for sure, yeah. And more specifically, it's not just worse for the culture that you're abusing, it's also worse for you because guess what you could have come up with something on your own. The most effective cleansing method that I use is has nothing to do with sage at all, which is good because I fucking hate the smell of it. <laughs> I do. I hate it. It makes me cough. I don't like it. I'm not a smoke person. So the the most effective cleansing rituals that I have learned have been things that I have myself developed over the years. Magic is real, guys. Experiment. If you don't like one method, do another. And if you don't have the right to one method that is going on, I'm going to tell you I will not shame you if you use something and you, and I'm putting quotation marks, um, are you you are not allowed to use that thing if you're still using it fine just don't tell anybody where anybody's going to argue with you don't be lana del rey 
don't tell everybody <laughs> about all this shit. Just do it. Do what you do. But if you're looking yeah. for a better method because you want to do something that belongs to just you and doesn't have extra shit tied to it that you don't understand because you're a goddamn dabbler and you weren't initiated into that tradition, um, you can make it up on your own using the stuff you do know. Just make shit up. Like... Work it Somebody out. had to make that shit up at one point, right? Exactly. Or a spirit told them. So just make let the spirit make shit up and tell you about it. Yes. 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 Do that. That works better. I I like this plan. I am pleased to be a part of it. <laughs> and you don't have to like target one specific culture that you like. You're like you know not supposed to be in there and not supposed to be working with their spirits. There's like. An infinite amount of spirits yes. in this entire cosmos. Just you know, hold up your hand, and one will high five it. Work with that one and ask them. Precisely. Yeah. And by exactly. the way, for those of you who are having problems making connections with those kinds of things, seriously, here's a solution: go talk to somebody who's more experienced than you and have them help you. Take on a teacher. Yes, that means calling or uh, messaging or texting or asking someone who is experienced, who's someone that you've seen do stuff, go try starting there, ask them to help you. If they don't help you, if all they seem interested in doing is helping themselves by flattering themselves through talking to you, then that is an answer. That is an answer to the, the, the unspoken question, which is, are you someone I can rely upon? And we've actually already talked about that on this podcast. So there you are. Um, yes, you can contact us. Uh, if you contact me, I can't tell you how long it's going to take. It may for me take. To some, I was just going to say it may take. And, and I, I actually have a ten dollar a month like tier on Patreon that's for like getting my specific spiritual assistance. So and there you go. So yeah. <laughs> With me, I have a simple rule: you can ask me any question you want, and I will not be a dick to you just because you asked it. I might not answer it though. I might tell you that I can't answer that because there's too much context and the context might require me to teach you a lesson that I reserve for my students and I'm not your teacher and I and that will not be a personal thing it'll just simply be this is how I make my living and I don't take online clients because a lot of witchcraft is initiatory and I can't promise you the best results so I'll give you some sort of other advice I'll, I'll try to help you find it in another direction you can also always call me or text me or whatever message me for a reading and pay for a reading and i'll use that to help you mm -hmm. um and i don't know t do you have anything that you offer in that particular direction i should but i don't no um i mean i think i i mostly do things on a sort of case-by-case -case basis right i've had people message me and ask questions uh that usually they're referred to me um because i don't tend to advertise my services in that regard right maybe i should maybe. um but totes. um totes. i think you kind of are now here oh. you are we we've walked you down this crooked path and you are now here and you can't be in the places that you were before because this is where you are now oh well <laughs> anyway i think that it all yes, goes without it, saying send the question in if you have one so, so now ooh. it's time for our final divination segment aka celtic crosshairs where we answer questions from our many, many fans all over the world and maybe other planets as well. I'm not saying it was aliens, but... <laughs> I'm, was I'm, aliens. Look, I'm saying it's aliens. Let's just like, <laughs> No more alien denial. Oh, the joke has visited us again in accordance with the prophecy. Yay! So, but first, before we do the divination segment, Felix has some information for you, and you get this free of charge. 
hey, if you've actually made it all the way to the end of this podcast, uh, congratulations on that marathon, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) then you hear us answering questions, and you might be wondering, how do we ask you questions? Because whenever I keep on saying it into my computer, you don't hear me. (laughs) And... The way that you do it is that you go to circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com and you drop a message into our ask box, and that is how you ask us questions. And that's the only method we have set up thus far, and thus far it served us well, so we're not going to add any more yet. Eventually we'll be like, like on every single thing whatsoever, but then we'll be like hiring out other witches to like do our dirty work and answer questions for us, and it'll be amazing. Is that on the agenda? <laughs> like, we- yeah, there, we're going to have like a assembly line of podcasts oh my god and they'll just like you know be coming out like you know every day this is some crazy dude i didn't see that in my cards though i'm just making that shit yeah up. i did anyway, not sign up for that <laughs> that's how you send in a question <laughs> um we actually like if you send questions to any of the places any of the known terminals of our interaction independently they'll still get to us but really the way that we've set up with the ask box on circle of salt podcast is really the best way to do it and please give yourself some sort of like like ask box related handle like you know the dear abby uh, suffering in seattle lonely in uh la type of of handle so that we can we could do this stuff right right um because if you don't then we will make one up and you may not like it. And we will delight in that. <laughs> because your tears sustain us. So, uh, we move on. Let's do the thing. All right. So, this so this divination segment, we're actually going to be using various different methods of divination associated with the topic that we brought up. Which is to say, um, like we're going to be contacting the, the spiritual forces that we work with. And we're going to do it not through traditional methods because we're dicks. So, let's do the thing. What do you have right. to offer today, Felix? How are you doing yours? Um, I am going to be asking the demons that I work with uh, questions, and I'm going to be doing it through the most traditional way of contacting with them, which is the Magical Unicorns Oracle Cards by Doreen Virtue, PhD. PhD. Are the unicorns PhD or is Doreen? Doreen is a PhD, just like T, and like I just I like T. I love the comparison there. I think you have PhDs in different subject areas, but Doreen does it. <laughs> this is an older Doreen Virtue deck where she still thought that she needed that PhD edge. She no longer advertises that she's a PhD. <laughs> what is she a PhD in? Her new in? Decks. It's, I... a PhD. it's it's a player hater degree. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google that, but if you could walk in our next question, then after you tell, like, read our, our first question, I will tell you what she's a PhD in. Okay. Well, um, I'm gonna first tell everybody what we're all using, and um, so that was yours, and I'm going to be divining uh, with Hecate by utilizing probably the most um, <laughs> the most presumptuous uh, fiction series that existed in 1989. Uh, towards what the what magic is actually like uh it gave way to a lot of people calling themselves shamans for no good goddamn reason and um (laughs) that would be the shadow run system i'm using my new fifth uh what is it the i'm using my the sixth world tarot uh which is their official tarot for the new series um I think it's the fifth edition now, but anyways, um, but I'm using their tarot deck to ask questions to Hikate because I find this entirely appropriate. What about you, T? What are you doing? 
So I had prepped the mathematician's tarot. Okay. Because I felt like, because it's the most, it's, it's, it's math, you know, like. Math is universal. It's ridiculous. Uh, but then I kept, I, as I was shuff, as we were talking, I was shuffling, and then every time I would flip over a card, I would get the null, uh, I would get, there's a bonus card that I threw in there that's the empty set, and I kept getting empty sets, so it was basically like, no, no, oh. no. Ouch. This is not the deck today. So, I am going to make, I'm going to make an executive decision, and I am going to use storytelling dice cubes oh there we go Ooh, i've got a set of those those are great that's fantastic yeah i love them for i love them for divination i will have to like put my headphones down for a moment and and go and go grab them because they're kind of high in a very fancy witch jar that makes them look super occulty awesome um, but they if are you go straight ahead and do up that. story cubes yes while you do that <laughs> i can tell people all about doreen virtue's um extensive education yes please tell us uh, all i want to i kind of want to know about this too but go you'll ahead. have to listen oh. to the episode oh my god Shit. oh well <laughs> oh well it's on wikipedia you can read it okay fair enough <laughs> All right, so education and early career. Virtue received an associate degree in liberal arts from Antelope Valley College in Lancaster, California, and obtained a BA in psychology in 1986 and an MA in counseling psychology in 1988 from Chapman University in Orange, California. Virtue earned a doctorate of philosophy in psychology from then unaccredited California Coast University in 1996. CCU received accreditation from the Distance Education and Training Council in 2005 and is accredited for its program in educational psychology. The subject of Virtue's dissertation was the tendency of adults who suffered childhood sexual abuse to de- develop addictions such as eating disorders. Okay, well, that's classy. Uh, all right, so that's fantastic. Um, She's also a marriage and family therapist. Yikes. Okay, so I'm going to completely ignore her now, and I'm going to head <laughs> To something that um, T that said. gives her the qualification to do a deck on magical unicorns. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it must because there is a desk, the deck exists. But I'm going to point out something that T said when they were talking about the uh, the the testing out of their oracle to try to figure out whether or not they were going to be able to do divination with that oracle and. Um, it, I think that is a perfect example of what we were trying to explain to you here for this whole That's podcast. That's what I felt as well. Yeah. Like, um, fuck history. Seriously, just test it out and see if it works. If it works, yay. If it doesn't work, try something else. Like, if, if deities want to tell you something, you will hear yeah, it somehow. Yeah, they don't have any problem getting in contact with you. Seriously. <laughs> no. It's, seriously, they have no trouble at all. Okay, what's and our, usually, yeah. What's our ahead. first question? Do you see the one before Circle of Salt Podcast's uh, um, cookie cartel question there? Yeah, I see that one. Do we want to give them the, like the original title, or do we want to come up with something? Uh, inexperienced reader. Inexperienced reader. Okay, so that's going to be their their deal. Let's go ahead and ask that one now. All right. So my question is. Um, oh, thanks for like all of your fangirl squealing. We are we are utterly complimented. Yes. Um, my question is, what is it going to take for me to get a job that I can sustain? My cards are saying wait and that there's something I need to overcome, but I'm a very inexperienced reader and I was hoping you could give me some insight. All right, well, I can So do that. I- I'm going to just read for the, th- the thing that they're waiting on and need to overcome. Sure. And, uh, well, I was going to take a look at that at the perspective of what shall you do in order to get a job that you sustain? What do you want? What angle do you want to take, T? 
Um, I'm going to take, uh, um, I think I'll go ahead and go for just in, uh, like, I'm just going to see what the, what the, because these are story dice. Let's see what so the dice say. Let's see what the Perfect. dice say. Because there's at least one of them that's jobs. Like, I pulled the jobs one, so. Awesome sauce. All right, let's do it. So we'll see what that happens. Okay. Oh, this is also going to be loud, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, mute for a moment so you guys don't have to listen to the incredibly loud clattering of dice. You are so much more considerate than I am. Do you want me to, <laughs> to go ahead and go first? Yes. So I was going to be like, I'll just figure out what it is that, and like, you know, I'm working, like, the, the demons get to answer, and they're like, no, let's just grasp right for that star. And so it's like, what's it going to take? Okay, fine. What's going to take for you to get a job that you can sustain? Okay, well, that was going to be my question. I know, but you can do it, too. Oh, I did. Okay, well, we're going to both do it. Fine. And we're going to see if you got the same answer as this Doreen freaking Virtue Tarot is telling me. I'm almost <laughs> certain that I did not, because mine is, like, super bitchy. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, then you're going to be able... They're going to have a great variety of contrasts here. Okay, good. Um, Go. This one is one saying, just be yourself. You're a great person. Enjoy being yourself. Um, I do want to say what the demons are sort of putting on here on top of this, and, and it's like not just just be yourself, but acknowledge what it is that you yourself actually want to do uh, and are good at doing. Like, y if you're going to be yourself, you can't just be like applying for just anything. Right. Like, what is the, the job that yourself wants? Because if not, then just don't even bother doing it. Right. Okay, so mine is similar, but from a much meaner perspective. Um, so I got the Queen of Blades as the as the main answer, which literally says, um, "Don't be such a bitch." Um, <laughs> which is not advice for me because I say be more of a bitch, actually. But the Queen of Swords is specifically saying you are not always right about many things, um, and it's further answered by two major arcana. We have number eleven, which is justice. Um, but in this deck, it's the Vigilante. And then we have 14, which is Temperance, except in this deck, it's the Dweller at the Threshold. And so both of them are saying that your sense of right and wrong, your sense of how things are supposed to be balanced, is preventing you from going forward. You are going to have to have a, uh, pardon the Southern expression, a come-to-Jesus moment. You're going to have to actually face reality for what it actually is and come to understand a balance in your own life before you're going to be able to sustain these jobs because you get really fed up with people and with situations very fast. And I'm not saying that you quit these jobs. I don't necessarily think that's true, but I am saying that your behavior has caused these situations to become unbalanced because you need a more fluid perspective than the one that you are used to holding. Both the Vigilante and the Threshold card in this in these decks, uh, Justice and Temperance, have to do with sustaining balance, but one is a very static balance, where the other is a very fluid balance. So, you, yes, go. Okay, this is hilarious. So, I, I so I have uh, the there. I rolled five dice. Yes. Then they have different pictures on them. One is the job dice. It's there's twelve different ones, and I rolled the cowboy. Oh. <laughs> Now I just got the vigilante but, card. <laughs> no, here's the funny part. Uh -huh. um, there's another one that's supposed to be like your uh, like your complication or your your 
the thing aliens are on there too like you can have ghosts or aliens or a volcano i straight up rolled a criminal in a black cowboy hat oh my god so it's like the warring cowboys like the you know the the black hatted cowboy versus the the white hatted cowboy and so i was thinking it's the exact same thing it's a war between like your you know right your wrong. your your righteous your just you know your justice filled self and your 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 more criminal self or you know maybe the darker parts of you right. your, shoulder the, oh. your shoulder cowboys your shoulder cowboy Voice, as opposed to your shoulder angel. Oh, you know. Um, but it, uh, okay. well, go ahead. No, actually, I was going to make a side note. I'll make it later. Okay. Um, the other ones are just uh, some other like. There's one for vehicles. There's one for uh, you know little objects that can be involved, and then some other little bits. And the ones that I got, they're all sort of natural. Like one's a bicycle. I had a bicycle, um, a beak, a bubbling beaker. Mm-hmm and a sunflower which strikes me as that there's something literally environmental and in, in this whether it's that maybe you're i don't know if this this person is drawn to environmental work or maybe that's something that's holding them up like there's a concern about transportation or something environmental that and that's sort of what i was thinking about is it felt like to me that that intuitively well for me was that's the concern that sort of maybe warring in there not necessarily like, oh, these people aren't environmentally friendly or something, or not the rest of my coworkers don't bike to work. But it seems like that might be something to think about in, in with regards to this. If there's something within, like, I don't want to say the environment. I keep saying the environment, but I'm sort of thinking about it in sort of an earth conscious, you know, sort of granola crunchy way. But if there's <laughs> something, but it, it feels like that's something that needs to be in there. And I don't know if it's just that, Maybe that has been too much of a concern or not enough of a concern, not enough but granola. whatever that is, I, not enough granola or too much granola, but whichever one it is, like that might, that seems like it should, that needs to be worked out as well. I, I'd like to make a note. I didn't really describe it because I didn't know if it was really, uh, you know, germane to the subject at, mat- at hand, but this, this card of all these unicorn cards in this mini unicorn deck, um, is a little kid riding a unicorn. <laughs> And, oh, and there are many unicorns here that are standalone or they're like with a tiger or something. This one has a person, this one has a person riding on it. Wow. Are they eating granola? No, but actually they're holding up their hand to a dove that is flying up. Oh, see, this is very white hat. Okay, so are we ready to move on to the next? Yes. Okay, so we have the Cookie Cartel's question. It is a tarot question. They say, I feel stuck in my magical path what should i do oh and you love the show thank you that's very kind Aww. Uh, we we love doing the show and we love your gray face so um i let's do a quickie on this one because i actually want to answer a lot of these questions if we can okay i want to answer the most recent one that just hit our inbox too yes yeah but that one is more a discussion question okay so let's do this all right all right so and uh yeah so here we go um Eligos wanted to do this one, so I'm just going to pull a random card for him. Yep. Relax, everything's okay. Don't worry, it's all going to be fine. <laughs> okay. Okay, I know where this is going. Stop thinking about what you should do. Stop looking for something to do. And just chill and see what happens when you're not just find trying to find the next thing like sometimes when you feel stuck that's whenever you actually need to just stop and like see whether an omen's gonna fly into your face cool t what's yours 
You're going to laugh. This is hilarious. <laughs> so I have wizard, dragon, submarine, fish, chicken. Like roast chicken. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I think of the... I, I, I sort of was getting sort of the same feel here. I was just like, you know, don't keep bothering yourself with questions like chicken or fish. I know that sounds silly, but that's how these story cubes are supposed to sort of work. Um, you know... Don't worry about going too deep or flying too high. Just be a wizard. Just, you know, try, you know, play around with it and don't don't stress yourself over the nitty gritty stuff. Just, you know, be like Nike. Just do it. Okay. Mine is the King of Blades, which is hilarious because I just had the Queen the last time, um, which is entertaining. All I pulled was one card, but literally what it is saying is, okay, so you know how your practice has drills? Like, things that you can do, like, okay, do you know how to ground and center? Okay, do you know how to cast a circle? Okay, do you know how to call a spirit, etc.? Like, little routine things that you'll do for stuff. A magical devotion for the day. Um, you need to learn to do those smoothly, like uh, like martial arts katas. You need to learn how to move through them as a routine. So, just immerse yourself in the basics of what you have learned and practice it as a routine every day. Like, for example, if you come from a very raw practice that is more kind of intuitive and eclectic, um, where they don't have, like, set rituals, make some. Like, do a daily devotion every day where you just get up and you go, like, I affirm my connection to the blah, blah power that I work with, blah, blah. You know, I affirm that it means this, this, and this. And then do three things that, that kind of move it into your life. Um... One of the things that I will do as part of my practice is I, d- I draw a card every day, but I don't do it like the whole card of the day, you're learning the tarot thing. I draw a card, and then I cast it upon a door, and I step through the door into the situation, and that's my my offering to the world. I generally bring a token with me, and I find a way to use it in that place. Like if I'm at work, someone will come in that I'm going to have to give it to. So I'll be like, and it's associated with that particular card. Like if it's the Two of Cups, then one of my closest friends or one of my husbands or something comes in. And I go, oh, this is for you. Do you see? So do something like that. All right, so what do we got? What's the next one do we want to answer? Go ahead, Felix. Um, what should I do with all the leftover sp- stuff from my spells? It feels wrong to literally throw it in the garbage. Ooh. This person's name is Love Your Podcast. Oh, because they didn't leave a, a, a name. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> yes, Aww. we love our podcast too. Um, all right, do we want to do a divination, or do we just want to answer the question? You know, I, I could definitely give some answers on that because I do trash magic. Hey, so Felix should answer this question first. So there is meaning to throwing something in the garbage. Um, the garbage is a portal to the void. And consigning something to the garbage is basically tossing it away to wherever the garbage goes. Now, it depends on whatever it is that you're throwing into the garbage, whether you should put it there. Um, is it some, something that you want to basically get rid of out of your life? Um, then not only should you put it in the garbage, but you should make sure to do so right before garbage day. And put the trash can out into the curb so that it's gone out of your life as soon as possible. Cool. Um, if it's stuff that biodegrades and it's fine with it being in your yard then congratulations, you know, it's time to learn how to bury shit. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all kinds of things that you can do to dispose of things. Now, if it's stuff that you really can just repurpose, like, I've got, like, rocks that I've used for, like, 20 different fucking things. (laughs) It's like, oh, you you did your job, okay, fine, I'm just gonna use this rock for something else now, it's fine. Like, it's okay to reuse stuff. In fact, I, I encourage it. It's just, you know, know what it is that, like, you know, 
if it's you say leftover stuff from your spells it just really depends on you know do you want this sticking around is it important for it to go if it's important for it to go then you know and, and if it's not stuff that is you know would be better put in recycling or you know whatever and then you throw it the fuck away in fact if you really want it gone like go to like a city crossroads like you know where like this isn't like a regular eldritch crossroads this is like going into an urban environment and there's like literally a crossroads like throw it into a garbage there there you go then it's really super gone. So, um, as a follower of Hikate, I'm going to say, if you have any sort of a reason to suspect that the spell that you've worked is going to be disputed by, like, powerful spiritual forces, take it to a crossroads and put it there under a rock or something to that effect. You want it to get lost so that nobody else will know about it. Or you can take it out to a tree and hang it off of a bough that doesn't come anywhere near your house, like go to a park somewhere. This is only if that stuff is biodegradable because you, of course, don't want to just put trash everywhere. Um, but hang it off of a tree or something like that and literally whisper to it, say, not from me, but from the hanging tree. Okay, seriously? Then people are, when they try to seek out your spell to counter it, what they're going to encounter is uh, a feeling that makes them feel like it's coming from the powers of the dead and they're going to fight after it. They're going to go after that and they're not going to go after you, which is awesome. Um, I also encourage you to uh, keep it if, like, you're dealing with wax drippings or something that have shaped themselves into something that looks lucky. If it doesn't look lucky, dispose of it. But if it does look lucky, fucking keep it. Okay, that's all I've got for that. <laughs> what about you, T? Um, I have a little. So I live in an apartment complex. Um, <laughs> so it's an, an it's a complete it's a very different kind of thing um but it just so happens that i have a really nice patio and there's a really lovely little corner in the back where i can put my biodegradables if i need to get rid of them which is what i usually do um and that works out very fine um if i if it's something that's more permanent i do try to reuse things um particularly if they're things that like for some reason i can't necessarily get my hands on easily again like i'm allergic to wasps and bee stings and things like that and someone gave me a really huge like paper wasp nest that i've used frequently because i'm not going to go get another one (laughs) (laughs) um you know so stuff like that like i i'm a big proponent of reusing or and i keep some things that are just that are silly like that you would just that most people would just get rid of you know throw in the trash or whatever like i keep all of my my ash from from all of my incense and even if it if i don't have end up having a direct use for it and i'm getting to the point where my jar is a little full i'll sprinkle it on my damn carpet and just wait a little while and then bring the vacuum in and then i mean yes that's going to then go into the trash but then i'm using it for also deodorizing which it it's great mm-hmm. Like, why would I buy that carpet sprinkle stuff when I can mix it with baking soda myself and do the same thing? Um, you know, that sort of stuff. So I find new way, you know, ways to repurpose or reuse. Or and if it's biodegradable, I buy, I, I handle it that way. And if it's not, I, f- I find some other way. If it's recyclable, I recycle it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you need something to go away, by the way, just as a side thing for those of you who need to do the recycling thing or or put it in a trash or whatever. Um, and you want the thing to go away. Another trick is to go to a place that you will never go again and throw it in the dumpster or the recycling bin there over your left shoulder. Throw it over your mm-hmm. shoulder and then walk the fuck away from it. Just a good little like tip. All right, so let's move on to the next question, yes? Yeah, do we want to do the final one? Because we're over two hours now. 
Yes, wow. I noticed that. Um, okay, <laughs> so we have a good discussion question here that they even gave us a handle, and I want to do it. So, yeah, let's do let's, it. Okay, but like not the last one. I want to do this one first. The one that said the handle is missing the magical. Oh, oh, let me look for that one. Um, I didn't see that one. We'll skip the other two. Did it go to your inbox and not the... It's Circle of Salt podcast. I'll go ahead and read it. Okay, so the handle is Missing the Magical. So this is to you, Missing the Magical. I've recently left my retail job and I'm now stuck behind a desk with no idea how to bring my magic into my new workplace. Any advice on where to start? I have a ton of advice on this, but I'm only going to make it very brief. I'll give you three. One, make it a part of your outfit. Bring magic in in the form of jewelry or in the form of sigils stowed upon your person somewhere. That's the first step. Um, I don't know what kind of workplace that you have, but if you can lay decorations into your workspace, do that. Okay. Um, get a calendar that has an animal on it that is a particularly powerful spirit animal for you. Go for that. Um, if you work with, oh, I don't know, if you have particular deities or something, you might carry their name and put them into an object that's in the area in there. Like, you know, uh, if you work with Mercury, put his name on the bottom of your computer, you know, or like uh, your keyboard or something for communication, because that's something he does. If he's got one leg in the door, he can usually get the rest of it in. Now, as far as practice goes, and as far as doing things like that, get real used to learning a magical alphabet and learn how to use it magically. Um, I worked with the runes for years in retail, and I would sling spells all the hell over the place because the runes are wherever I write them. And it was very handy. So I was able to sling spells at people pretty much at the drop of a hat if necessary. So I recommend that. Sacred geometry is another good way to do that if you can learn how to draw particular symbols based on, you know, uh, mathematical equations or something. I'm not a math person, so the sacred geometry <laughs> I use is pretty much just to make it look pretty, but there you are. Um, and then, uh, so the third thing that I will give you uh, in terms of bringing magic into the workplace, anytime you have a moment to yourself, even if it's just on the toilet or during your break, go through some magical routines. Ground yourself, uh, do something simple to um, uh, do like a, a small cleansing of the area or something to that effect, or just ask yourself a question of, if I wanted to do a what would i use and start asking questions about it like you know when i was using the runes in 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 macy's i had plenty of time to myself when i'm folding shirts or something so i'd say what runes would be used for telekinesis what runes would be used for casting a spell to make someone poop <laughs> what runes would be used <laughs> to make uh, a perfect lunch date and i would just go through and ask questions and i would use my knowledge of what i've learned to to come up with answers um, so that's what I did. And I wrote it all on a piece of paper I stored in my pocket at the beginning of the day. And, and I have a lot of those pieces of paper now. So that's my advice. Anybody have anything they want to add to this? Um, well, you shouldn't take your work home with you, except for the way I'm about to describe it. <laughs> um, dirt! Uh, <laughs> you should take dirt! You should! You should take dirt from your workplace and use it for all manner of witchery when you get home. I agree. Um, you, if you have any sort of garden, 
um, then you can just mix a little bit of that dirt from your workplace into whatever plant that you want to influence with and go from there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's pretty much just, you know, growing your seed from your job. And also, when you're walking around your workplace, you know, if you take, like, a, a break and just, like, you know, walk around the area, look at what is presented to you in your walking. Like, you know, keep your eyes on the sidewalk and see if you find any, anything interesting that runs across your path because that is basically witchcraft, like, jumping out to you saying, hey, do me. Hey, um, do me. <laughs> I know, right? It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> that one just wrote itself. Um, this is especially going to be fun whenever you uh, hit, um, pretty soon we're going to be hitting acorn season. Um, acorns are great for any kind of job or, or uh, prosperity type of work. Um and so looking for um, acorns that have dropped around, also like those uh, those types of seeds that drop on like uh, little helicopter blades, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the spinny ones. Yeah, the um, those are those. those are good too. Yeah, like uh, look for for seeds. Um, you know, also look for any kind of other stuff that's sort of dropped down. Um, I like to collect pins that I find in a certain area, and then do written spells using those pins. Um, you know, because the, the that that pin is now connected to that area, and, and is also anything you find while you're out walking, in my opinion, is like a crossroads gift, and is also super liminal. <laughs> um, you know, it's like it just crossed your path. Okay, now it's yours. Um, go. so just you know, whatever presents itself to you while you're walking around, and also dirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about you, T? Um. All of these are great. They're all things that I usually do. One last one I will add, and it depends very largely on the job. But if you're desk, if you're a desk jockey, you might you might find this. If there is some sort of, I don't want to say fidgety activity, though some people use it that way. Like if there's a lot of downtime where you're not just sitting at a computer, or you're just gonna, because some people like knit or crochet or do cross stitch or things like that. Take advantage of that to use that physical activity to also do some of that spell work. And it gives you a good, uh, it gives you a good state of mind to also, you know, sort of work through, you know, sort of work through things, do your spell sling in and, you know, orb, you know, have those meditations where you're asking, answering those questions. And that stuff's getting worked into the physical thing that you are making. So if you're cross stitching or knitting or crocheting, which is a thing that I've seen, I have done and seen a lot of people do, um, that's an option too, especially if you're, if you're desk jockeying. I've got one more bonus. Okay. Bonus. Go to the break room, get yourself some coffee and sugar out of there. Those are both, like, very common spell ingredients, yes. and they're tied to your workplace. So, you know, you're going to be able to, like, sweeten up your boss with sugar from the break room. Um, coffee is good for prosperity. also just smells damn good. It's awesome. There you go. Um, and you can actually brew stuff from, you know, these things. Um, so, yeah, just be an opportunist and grab stuff. Totally. And if... And if there's uh, if people order a lot of takeout and they have those little salt packets, there's always salt. There you go. Yeah. And, and we are big <laughs> fans of salt here. That's right. Yes. So, all right. So we're going to answer one last question. And this is coming from someone named Jaybird. Go ahead, Felix. All right. This is a discussion question. There's actually two discussion questions. Um, one strangest thing you've used for divination. Mm-hmm. So let's just start with that. What's the strangest thing you've, you've used for divination? The strangest thing I've used for, for divination. Uh, the babbling of children. Ooh. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's called a kledon. 
or something like that you listen to conversations and, and like just randomly pursue an omen in the conversations of others i did it at a children's like playground i hate children so i assumed that it would be valid because i would normally like the sacrifice was i had to go be around children <laughs> <laughs> so and it worked to my dismay um, I'm not sure what the weirdest thing I've used is because I've just used so many weird things, but I'm going to go with Cards Against Humanity. There you go, and that's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's actually, and most people don't really understand how you can do that, but basically, you know, to frame your question, um, either ask the question in a way that can be a, a Cards Against Humanity question and then draw a white card, um, or ask your question, then draw a black card, and then that is the deck reframing your question in Cards Against Humanity style, and then draw the white cards that, that are asked for by the black card, because sometimes the black card asks you to draw several cards. Right. And then it's giving you that advice in Cards Against Humanity language. I will say, caveat, do not do this unless you customize your deck beforehand, because until then, it's like not as good for stuff. It's true, we've actually like, tested that. Yeah. Have you yeah, did have you tested that by the way, like, you know, empirically? Just did, I haven't done any further testing since the day that you came over and did it. Okay, yeah, well, we've got to see what happens whenever you actually customize that deck because yeah. I'm really interested in those results. But we can ask, we can talk about that at a different episode. But yeah, Cards Against Humanity. Okay. What about you, T? And um, oh gosh, I mean, I could make some sort of thing about the story cubes, but I don't think that's actually that weird. It's difficult um, because magic is innately weird, and so yeah, strangest. I don't know. My grandma's dentures. What? What's strange? Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think me. I mean, I could make, some, but it's there's a classical sense to this one. Like I could make some comment about like since I've slaughtered animals, I've done entrail reading. There you go. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah, that's a. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. But there's a historical precedent. It's, so it's I was a like, very yeah, traditional so method to do augury that way. Yeah, but no, but yeah. So that's why I was like, it's it sort of. I was like, on one hand, I was like, hey, you know, I should try this. It'd, it'd be fun. Since I'm slaughtering an animal anyway. I used to live on a farm before people think I'm like, since I mentioned I lived in a, I have lived in an apartment complex. Before people think that I am doing some horrible things in my apartment complex, I used to live on a farm. I raised these animals. Exactly. So. We ate them. <laughs> okay. So. All right. And so there's a second, second question. Well, there's actually two. Do you want to? They gave us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Said, like, the second part of. They they uh, they asked for starting tips on divination. Oh, starting tips. Yeah. So like, uh, briefly, I think I'll just answer this one and we'll move to the second part and, and get yeah. group on this one. Starting tips, very simple. Um, make sure that the divination system that you're using, um, what you're basically doing is trying to um, create an omen with divination. So. Your divination system should be able to relate to the world. You should be able to understand what it means when it relates to the world. Like if you're doing wax drippings or something, then the shape that they make should be something that you can decipher. Sort of like tea leaf reading and stuff. Like, And you remember in Harry Potter with that one, you know, you looked at mm -hmm. it and well, that looks like a sunburst, but it also looks like death. So you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it or whatever it was, <laughs> which turned out to be true, to be honest. Um, so that, I mean, that actually turned out to be their thing. No, um... So frame your question properly. Um, be make it something that the oracle can answer. Like if you're using a yes/no oracle, don't ask a question that doesn't have a yes/no answer. Um, and then respect the oracle. Treat it with respect. Go in with an understanding that it is going to answer questions for you because what's really answering you is whatever answers divination, and that's an entire discussion for a different podcast. 
So those are some tips. Let's move on to the last yeah, little bit like, here. Favorite. I already gave some CAHS tips. Already. Yeah, exactly. So favorite movie scene where something wildly inaccurate happens while divining. Well, I don't know about movie scene, but I am going to say, uh, I'm going to say favorite TV show scene. And it was from the, um, the Witches of East End. And it was when she was using the tarot cards to divine and she would hold her hand up and they would go right back up to her hand and she'd lay them out and they would always be the same. I'm like, and she, you know, she'd shuffle them and they'd always be the same and they'd always be the same. Um, okay, the only thing about that that, like, it was hilarious to me because it was so cute was the fact that she could call them all back to her hand. So that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, every, the <laughs> other thing where cards will be the same every single time I've had that happen to me, it freaks me out. Um, so there you go. I do not have a specific scene, but I have a specific trope. Okay. And the trope is, it doesn't matter how big your deck of cards is, if you're in a Hollywood movie, there's only two possible cards you could ever pull out. It's either the devil or death. Yes. There are only two cards to Hollywood. Those two fucking cards. Yes. And they never mean what those cards actually are supposed Dude, to mean. Dude, we should market this. A, a Hollywood tarot that only has, like, a billion death and devil cards. Yeah, and there's like sometimes there's the lovers. <laughs> if this is like an indie film, I guess. But like, oh my gosh, I am think I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the X Files episode, Clive Bruckman's Final Repose. Okay. Where he has the where he goes to all the the guy the serial killer goes to all of the the psychics, and the tarot reading does have the it has straight up it has the lovers and it has death. <laughs> so I'm remembering sometimes they come Sobs. back again. And uh, and how the demon people killed that girl with the tarot deck, which I'm over here going, can I just have that tarot deck? I mean, that sounds incredibly <laughs> useful in my line of work. <laughs> I have not seen this movie. You should watch it. What movie and is this? It's a Stephen King. Um, it's called oh. Sometimes They Come Back Again, and it's oh yes, yes, it's yes, absolutely terrible and perfect. You should watch it. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Swankwin is I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what's the worst, most inaccurate, favoritest, most inaccurateness. I don't even know. Um, I don't know why my brain is telling me there was a movie where they were doing like some Ouija board thing and then the thing flew up and like impaled someone in the eye. I think I'm just making that up, though. It sounds like something that should happen, though. That sounds great. I mean, no, no, that never <laughs> happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... I mean, I, I am completely with you on the uh, the trope of there only being, like, three cards in the Hollywood right. tarot deck. I am with you at 110%. And I even love that episode of, Clive, uh, of, of X-Files, and it's totally the same problem. I think that they actually had something about that in, uh, in Oglaf as one of the comics, where she had only two cards. It was, like, love or death. <laughs> like, the lovers are death. And so she's like, I whittled it down to the two most important questions. Either we fuck or I kill you. And so he turns <laughs> it around and it was like three of cups. And she and she's like, what even? There were only two cards. And it was like the three of cups. And she's like, fine, just take your three cups and leave. And she hands him three cups from her cupboard or something. <laughs> so That's literal. Amazing. The literal tarot is perfect. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps us up, doesn't it? Yes, it does. All right. I think we, we've, we've answered all of the questions that and exists. we've pulverized all of the topics. Yes. So why don't we get like uh, a reminder from, from T about where we can find you on the interwebs. Oh, okay. Um, I am on the Facebook and the Twitters and, well, most of the social medias. Uh, I am either T.A. Noonan 
um, or t.a.noonan, depending on which one. You should Twitter. I'm the most active on, and um, and I think usually the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also on uh, Tumblr. This is the one uh, exception to the rule as Place Oddity, where you can come if you want to watch me uh, reblog a lot of anime stuff oh. and bad dad jokes and uh, lick the bread jokes. Oh my god, I love those. <laughs> and um, oh, and I have I, I have a book. Buy my book. Yes. Um, I have lots of books, but this one, and I think the one that will be of most interest to uh, to listeners is I have a collection of poetry, sort of, um, that is called The Bone Folders. It's published by Sundress Publications, um, and it is available. You can Google that, like The Bone Folders, T.A. Noonan. You'll find yep. it. Um, and you can buy that, and it's about witchy stuff. You'll, If you read the blurb, it tells you more, but it's that's that's the best way I can explain it. There we go. It's, a, um, without, it, it, like, it's about, like, y'all, it's about a coven of witches and there's like some sort of trad craft stuff in there too like i kind of want to play this up to y'all a little bit more because i've Aww. like I've, I've i've been around <laughs> this book's inception since like computers were made out of wood so oh my God. <laughs> like check this shit out this is like you know witchcraft poetry before witchcraft poetry was a fad yeah so and read ta stuff because they're awesome so there you are yeah. Okay. All right. So if you're looking for, you know, Circle of Salt, you already found out where. Um, and you can rewind the podcast if you want to find out more. Or you can ask a nearby spirit. Yes. About our URL. Probably. But now we are going to leave you until next episode. May the Circle of Salt protect you.